Hello and welcome back once again to another Coffee and Heroes podcast. Time for our monthly previews show. This is the show where we go through the previews books. We pick out the best titles for you to spend your hard-earned cash on and make sure you don't miss out on any of the big titles coming this way. We we go through the DC books, the Marvel books and the indie books. And uh, I'll be doing that tonight. Your host is always Alan from Coffee and Heroes in Belfast. Joined as always by Keith. Good evening, sir. A good evening to you. How are things uh, in these uh, dark and rainy days here in uh, in Belfast? Oh, it's been glorious for the past week, hasn't it? It's been, uh, mm-hmm. since the clocks go back, it's almost like the weather goes back in time in Belfast as well. It has been <laughs> horrific. I have appreciated each and every customer who has stepped through the door in the last few days because I would not be going out in those, <laughs> in that weather if I didn't have to. So, uh, yeah. Uh, I got a, I got a, I think there was a, from the moment I got up this morning till... Uh, a little later in the afternoon it was just raining it was that rain that was sort of bouncing off the pavement and just miserable and dark like the sun the sun didn't even bother rising really uh, <laughs> and then i think about maybe about 12 or half 12 it started brightening up and the rain cut and i thought now is my opportunity uh so i i, I gathered my gear and uh, i had a wee break uh, for lunch from work so i took that opportunity to jump on the train and head into the store to try and get in and out before it uh before it rained and I had uh, just with work has been a wee bit uh, fairly busy of late. I've been sort of traveling back and forth to the, to the UK, uh, to, to Wales and we're heading over to Liverpool tomorrow. And I knew that uh, I knew that I just wouldn't have time to, I, had, I didn't have time to pick up my pool list last week and I, I wouldn't have time for the rest of the week. So today was, today was that critical juncture. So got in <laughs> and uh, picked up a few bits and pieces, saw some friendly faces um, in coffee and heroes, part of some of the crew and uh some new faces as well i guess for me anyway and uh and uh get back here before the rain started again i was going to pick up a couple of comic boxes from your good self uh in order to fill out the collection that you know my my full collection that has now for the first time in over 20 years is now living in the same house as me and is together uh, as one uh, i think i need three more long boxes just to just to complete the the the, the uh the filing system uh, so uh, I got, but you were right uh, about me not taking them today. You you kindly said you had a couple upstairs for me, but no sooner had I left the store than it started raining again, and those would have been mush by the time I got them got them home. So good call, sir. Good call. I did notice that just after you left, I looked at the weather and thought, yep, definitely not a day for taking comic boxes with you. But yeah, it, it, it's one of those things that kind of surprised me because I did ask you that question today: how long it had been since you've had your whole collection in one place, and. You know, you're you're a pretty organized, you know, OCD person when it comes to this stuff. And the fact that you had it in different places, surpri- like it surprised me it's been as long as that. But, you know, I suppose we should thank your wonderful parents for allowing you to utilize the roof space for quite so long. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to be fair, they, they rarely go up to the roof space uh, except to collect the Christmas tree at, you know, December. Um, so, uh, you know, but uh, yeah, it's been all over the place. Like it has been... Uh, in my moment, yeah, it's been in, been in a spare room, and the room that used to be my room in my mum and dad's house, it was in the corner for a while. Then uh, it moved up to the attic, and it sort of I was collecting stuff here, and then on the occasional trips home, taking it home, integrating it into the, the collection, you know, and and that. But uh, yeah, so now we now we have a have a house to call our own, and a and a room and a shelving system that I put together for that. It, it, the time came, so. Yeah, thanks to yeah, my mum and dad, to uh, Standoff Festival for the loan of the van, uh, to my buddy Martin, store regular, uh, who was an extra pair of arms, to my brother, who put together a pulley system in order to get the boxes down from the attic, 
Uh, and then Martin and I ratchet strapped them all down and uh, and uh, got them back to the house. And then I had the aid of Martin and two neighbours to get them up three floors. So, yeah, the last few weeks I have had great time uh, sitting with my my CLZ and reorganising, renaming, making sure things make sense and uh, and that. And now it'll be it'll be going through it, figuring out what I want to keep, what I want to get rid of. Maybe some seals coming up uh, of uh, complete sets or bits and pieces um and uh, and just i'm able to curate it now in a, in a way that that makes me happy excellent excellent we're not jealous at all about it all being in one place because my collection is currently about three different places you know between parents house and store and different things so uh i will look forward to uh joining you on that sunny day when i can have my collection all in one place so but mm. we'll just make sure not to reveal our addresses when that happens because <laughs> we got some good stuff <laughs> you know we've been talking about uh, getting back together to podcast uh as soon as we figure out the logistics of that and as soon as i calm down with work going to and fro but uh with all of the, the with a wall of comic boxes that's really absorptive material that's really good really good for recording them, you know so <laughs> You saying you want to record in the comic room as opposed to your separate geek room? You know, this is the joy of Keith's new house. You know, his separate geek room, separate comic storage room. You know? Well, the the the, the <laughs> geek room come well. It's not a geek room because I think my my fiance would uh, would not like to be referred to as a geek, and she shares it with me. But that's it's, okay. It's she doesn't listen to this. It's fine. <laughs> It's currently become more of a dump room. We'll call it a hobby room. How about that? Yeah, decorated bits and pieces uh, around the house, and we've had to move stuff up here, so it's getting it's getting hard to move. So it's the next on the agenda to I think uh, sort out and shelve and everything else. So that's this room, in fact, that I that I'm currently recording. But yeah, we'll see how it goes, Alan. But look, do I'm looking forward to getting back together to to record. Uh, we'll get a better sound quality as well, certainly from my end, I would say. No, definitely. It'd be this this pod obviously started out as an excuse to get together, chat comics, have a nice dinner, catch up with friends and hang out. And then obviously through the, the necessity of lockdown and everything else it became an online one. But uh we look forward to the day of doing that once again in person. But until then we don't want to disappoint our dear listeners, so we will truck on to our previews because as you just said there, you've got your collection all in one place, but clearly the one thing you do need is even more comics. So we're going to tell you the ones that you don't want to miss out on in January. So as I say, I mean, as ever we go through this, it's uh, the orders are due, I believe, by the 18th of November. So that's two weeks this Friday. Now, again, that's just the previews order. There is always a chance for us to top up orders a month later. But just the earlier you pre-order stuff, it's always the better. It just allows us to sort of gauge um, how popular titles are going to be and so forth. But yeah, we're going to be going through the DC book, the Marvel book, the indie book. I mean, with the DC book, you can find that online, of course, DC Connect. You just have to search in Google. I do find it funny now that DC are no longer pretending that they're not just the house of Batman because when you open up the DC Connect book, they talk about what's inside and the first thing is Batman section. Uh, then it's everything else. So, I mean, there's a couple of good things to look out for, though, with Batman this month. You've got a brand new jumping on point for, for Chips Adarski's run with a new artist coming on board. You've got uh, the best DC title still pains me to say it, but the best DC title reach in issue 100. Big celebration issue there as well. We've got some animated goodness coming back for a, a trilogy capper there as well. And then, of course, continuing on the One Bad Day series, which has been pretty pretty great so far with uh, the the 64-page prestige one-shots. But with DC, they're, they're pushing really big on, a, on an event for January, uh, which is going to be focused around the idea of Lazarus Planet. This is a weird one for us to push. We'll talk about it a little bit more in a bit, but 
it's following the events of an issue that hasn't even come out yet, which is Batman versus Robin number four. But I mean, the main thing to know about Lazarus Planet is Mark Wade is curating it. That man knows the DC universe inside and out. And I think it's been a while since he's, he's done an event, even at, at the House of Ideas at Marvel. So it'll be interesting to see what he does here. It looks like it's going to follow a bit of a format of one shots. So I will talk a little bit more about that. We have jumping on points for action comics as well as Clark Kent, of course, returns to Earth. We got some one shots. We got a long, long, long awaited number two coming out so long it has been uh, since number one came out that they're going to do a second printing of number one before number two comes out as well and then there's some fantastic collected editions especially with one of our own personal favorite books getting its second and final volume as well from uh, james tinian so another one to look forward to as well so plenty to jump into in the uh the the batman i mean the dc book uh which we'll certainly get to in a bit so that's dc a little, uh, we're a little sensitive about me me calling you out on your YouTube show, are you? Not at all. No, I actually, it's the first time I've noticed the DC book has sort of like a, a glossary or or an index for what's inside, and it just made me laugh that it, it, they're not even pretending anymore. It's like here's your Batman section, and then they call the rest of the DC universe across the multiverse. It's like here's Batman, yeah. here's the rest. Yeah, it's uh, so that, I mean the point. Yeah, you you made the point. Uh, you know, you were going in your your YouTube show, which is really really good fun. Uh, I look forward to getting on that with you at some point. That could be good fun. Uh, but you were going through and uh, you pulled out an X book and you went, well, are there too many X books? I don't know. I'll let you decide. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen how many Bat Family books there are? But as you said, whenever you're a fan of it, you don't tend to notice it, no. uh, probably to some extent. But I mean, that brings up brings up an interesting point, doesn't it? About um, sort of the way DC and Marvel structure separately. And uh, Rob Liefeld talked about it in his podcast, uh, Rob's Revisions, uh, about how, you know, DC have, you know, have Batman and everything else really because of the strength of that brand. Whereas, you know, Marvel have, you know, the Spider-Man family, the Avengers family, the Marvel Knights family, they have, you know, the X family, the, you know what I mean? So, and then they have those sub families within those, those families that really, uh, you know, so it's, it's structured very differently. And, you know, uh, I suppose it, it works that way for events, which we'll talk about, you know, but it's, it's, it's interesting how that's, it's interesting how that's done. No, definitely. As I say, it's uh, it just made me laugh when I saw the DC book and, you know, even they're not pretending anymore. But I, I do think it's a point, you know, just to echo what you just said. You know, if you're a fan of something, you don't think there's too many. And obviously I'm a huge Batman fan. And I don't read everything Batman. Like I even had to draw a line with one or two of recent releases. But <clears throat> you think of the sheer volume of titles, you start rallying them off, you go, geez, there really are a lot of bad titles here. But if you're a fan, you don't notice that. Whereas with X-Men... I read X-Men through sort of omnibuses and hardcovers and special editions, uh, but I don't read everything. And I just, as someone from the outside looking in, it looks like a lot. Whereas someone like yourself, you you would pick and choose. You don't read absolutely everything, but I would say you probably read a good 80% of X titles. Um, so you do it in a way where you can pick and choose based on creative teams or characters mm -hmm. or, or so forth. But it just looks like a lot from the inside out. Because I think I'm just always disappointed Marvel didn't stick with that six book structure at the start. I thought that was great. You know, they they relaunched the Hickman X titles with six titles. Fallen Angels was only six issues. Oh, that's ended. Here comes Wolverine. We're back to six titles, and then just suddenly became eight, then nine, then eleven, mm -hmm. then thirteen. Yeah. And but yeah, as I say, if you're a fan, you probably don't notice that. But enough of me babbling on here. What about this Marvel book? Tell me what's <laughs> coming. Tell me how many X titles are coming out in this Marvel book. 
Uh, I don't know. I didn't count them. <laughs> um, I don't think there's. I don't think there's any debuting in this book actually. But 2023 is already shaping up to be a big year for Marvel, uh, and uh, we've already seen that uh, at the end of at the end of 2022 and very much into January 2023. In 2023, we already have seen that we have at least six crossover or events uh, for Marvel, um, and we'll we'll maybe uh, talk about those. Uh, they were they were announced in sort of the the MCU style, you know, timeline, uh, which was kind of cool, I guess. Uh, though I do dislike seeing the comics move more towards the the movies rather than vice versa. Um, we have a new class of Stormbreakers, which are Marvel's highlighted artists, and uh, we'll we'll have a chat about that. And the Disney One Hundred celebration which is the, the Walt Disney Company celebrating its 100th year in 2023 and Marvel getting in on the party with its monthly Disney 100 variant cover program featuring Mickey and Minnie and Donald and Goofy and all the other uh, Disney friends. Um, the variant program will launch in January and continue for a full year uh, on its ongoing Spider-Man title. Each cover will be available black and white. The first one is going to be Lorenzo Pastorvicio with colors by Valerio de Sanctis, and that's January the 11th. And he'll be paying homage, they'll be paying homage to homage to um, the first time Captain America assembled with Earth's Mightiest Heroes in Avengers 4, which was in 1964. Uh, and you'll see the uh, you'll see Mickey as uh, as Captain America, Donald as Thor, uh, you know, Goofy as, as Ant Man, and, and so forth. Uh, then we'll be moving on. I think there's a fantastic four number one. Uh, variant uh, in much the same sort of style uh, and then um, it'll go on like that an incredible Hulk number one variant and uh, and so forth so uh, if uh, variants are your thing and Disney is your thing then that could very well be for you I will be unlikely to be partaking uh, Marvel is also previewing uh, you know some of its, its new ongoing titles uh, we've got uh, a Scarlet Witch solo ongoing series for the first time in donkeys uh we have a team up between captain america and emma frost in uh, captain america symbol of liberty and there's lots of sort of high intensity action uh in the in the ongoing series we've got the the, the continuation of dark web across amazing spider-man and and venom and it's not looking good for peter uh, now, when when does it? Is it ever? ever? Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> also, that's pitching into Cantwell's Gold Goblin and Jed McKay's uh, Mary Jane and Black Cat, which is an issue too, and I'm told is one that you should definitely pick up. I will be. Um, let me see. In the, the hero side of things, we've got a, a new Avengers uh, limited event series. Uh, we have uh, the new Wasp series in the same format and with the same team. That uh, undertook the, the the recent Ant Man miniseries, which was was very cool. Uh, the return of one of Hulk's alter egos uh, under the uh, under the watchful eye of the the gentleman who created it, uh, as uh, Bruce Banner or rather Hulk delves into the the gangster side of his uh, his life and his personality. Um, but other than that, you know, there's some 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 great continued ongoings. The the new Iron Man by Jerry Dugan. The, uh, the new uh, Miles Morales by uh, Cody Ziglar are on issues sort of two and three, uh, and just yeah, just a lot, a lot going on. But we'll we'll spotlight a lot of that uh, as we uh, as we move through the books. Um, is that fair to say? <clears throat> I would say so. Yeah, plenty to to dig into there. Plenty of ongoing stuff, and as you say, there are a few number ones kicking things off. Scarlet Witch is one 
as a retailer, I'm very much looking forward to coming out because for some reason there's fanboys and fangirls for Scarlet Witch all over the place. I mean, it's almost like they didn't watch Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness and watch her kill hundreds of people, but <clears throat> that's not for me to comment on. But moving away from the Marvel book and on to Indy, and Indy's a bit of a, um, an interesting one for us this month because a majority of what we'll be highlighting in, in Indy is either trade paperbacks or hardcover collections. So there's a lot of great stuff coming out. Um, some of our favorite titles are being collected as hardcovers or, or volumes. There's some original graphic novels coming out. There's some reprints of some classic ones. Uh, there's a celebration for one of Image's most important ever and one of their best ever titles as well. Uh, so 20th anniversary celebrations with some facsimiles and hardcover compendiums, things like that. But I would be remiss if I didn't say the biggest thing is the return of Saga. <laughs> Probably Image's best title now that Deadly Class is finished. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, and as well as that, of course, we'd have, we'd have, I mean, there is our ongoing stuff, uh, Texas, that Texas Blood, Department of Truth, you know, those bits and pieces. Um, so, yeah. Well, that's Let it. There's go. always loads of great continuing stuff that we're already on. Uh, but yeah, just uh, with our little template that we have for the pod, I just noticed there's a lot of either HC for hardcover or TP for trade paperback. Yeah, so, for sure. And that doesn't sure. happen that often, so that'll be interesting to uh, to fly through. But we'll jump, in, jump into it in a bit more depth now anyway. So as ever, we kick things off with DC. And as I say, we've got a bit of a jumping on point for Batman at this point uh, from Chip Zdarsky. So, of course, Batman started at 125 with Chip taking over with uh, the failsafe arc. Well, now there's a new story arc coming out and... <clears throat> also a new artist so it was Jorge Jimenez for Failsafe what's going to be cool about this is uh, Chip is being joined by Mike Hawthorne who's been doing who's basically been sharing art duties on Daredevil with Marco Cicchetto and that's just been a stunning run the whole way through so be interesting to see that it's going to be as I say a new story arc Gotham City has never been darker or deadlier them's big words right there uh, and after Failsafe there is no Batman to save it can the fractured ghost that roams the streets survive whatever happened to the man known as Bruce Wayne so you know Chip is great at deconstructing these characters at looking at the man behind the mask he did it brilliantly through Daredevil you know Daredevil was as much a Matt Murdock story as it was a Daredevil story and it looks like he's going to be doing something similar here with Batman so as I said jumping on point for you if you weren't already on Chip's Batman which if you weren't already on it why were you not already on it? <laughs> <laughs> and that uh, that Jorge Jimenez cover looks phenomenal. That's just a it looks like Bruce has got you know the remnants of the bat uniform on you know covered by a by a coat uh, and you know I don't, yeah yeah hard to looks... say hard to say what's going to happen but that that feel safe arc is really enjoyable and really deadly. Yeah, it, uh, it feels you know. like real consequences, which I've really really enjoyed too, like yeah. a proper threat to Batman rather than a let's tease this out for a couple of issues and then Batman wins, of course. Um, but yeah, the the big thing with DC this month, they're they're kicking off a brand new event for twenty twenty three, which is under the the heading of Lazarus Planet. So they first teased it back in September uh, when it released a little image online. You can find it easily enough of the Lazarus volcano exploding. Lazarus volcano comes from the Robin mini series, uh, which was thoroughly thoroughly enjoyable from Joshua Williamson it was all to do with a, a tournament that took place on Lazarus Island uh, which you know invited all the best fighters from over, all over the world uh, basically Bruce Lee meets the DC Universe with a, a grumpy Damian Wayne as the uh, as the main protagonist but yeah they, they released this original image which was the volcano exploding and the green lava was forming Superman's symbol so 
from what we understand, there this has got this event's going to take place in Batman versus Robin four. So I, I don't think DC have necessarily advertised this well, but Robin was Joshua Williamson. The follow up title to that was Batman versus Robin, which was Mark Wade and Mahmoud Azrar, and then Lazarus Planet's going to come out of the events of Batman versus Robin four. Now, uh, I mean, I would say to just to cut in there, I would say that that uh, World's Finest is a massive part of this as well. The yeah, Mark Wade run. You that's know, where... completely fair. Yeah, I mean that that story arc was uh you know where we had we had Batman and and Superman entombing uh the devil the devil Nessa in the in the the volcano and then that took place before you know chronologically before Robin despite the fact it came out afterwards and then we had you know the the, the Lazarus Island stuff and all of that and then more recently then uh, we've had Batman versus Robin I just read issue two of that and the devil Nessa is very much part of that. Um, so yeah, and the devil Nessa, I think appeared. That was he was at the end of Robin. He was the big bad at the end of Robin, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah, yeah so, he was essentially uh, being led out at the end of Robin. Yeah, uh, having been entombed. Yeah, and but, but that's what I mean. It's 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 a little fractured, I think, how they've sort of put this together to lead to this big event. But maybe there'll be trade collections that will make it a little bit clearer, perhaps. But that's yeah, all right if you're paying attention. Well, that's true. I mean, if you listen to this <laughs> podcast, you'll always be kept informed. But. But yeah, I mean, for Lazarus Planet, which is going to be their event, as I say, it's going to be um, Mark Wade's the architect for this. Bunch of different artists involved and a few different um, co-writers involved as well. So the likes of Ricardo Federici is going to be involved, Billy Tan, uh, Francis Manipal, Phil Kennedy Johnson, Dan Waters and more. But the way they seem to be doing it is that it's going to be a series of one-shots that are going to be released weekly. <clears throat> it's going to kick off with Lazarus Planet Alpha. Uh, first of all, and then after that, you're going to have Lazarus Planet Assault on Krypton, Lazarus Planet We Once Were Gods, and Lazarus Planet Legends Reborn. So that's all in January, but it'll continue then into February with Lazarus Planet Next Evolution, then Dark Fate, and then an Omega issue at the end. And this is essentially going to set up where the DC Universe is mo- is going forward, um, which in itself is interesting. But you know how many reboots of you know universes do we need? But yeah, with Lazarus Planet Alpha, so. I mean, if, you, if you're semi-interested in this, I would start with the alpha issue and then see how you get on. Um, because the the one-shots seem to deal with different corners of the DC Universe or with different characters. But at the same time, with it being weekly, I kind of get the feeling there's a bit of a momentum thing going on here as well. So, But with uh, Lazarus Planet Alpha, so it's written by Mark Wade and Jean Lun Yang. And then the art in this one is Ricardo Federici and Billy Tan. So... Following the explosive, literally, events of Batman vs. Robin 4, the Lazarus Volcano has erupted, spewing dangerous and transformative chemicals into Earth's atmosphere. As these Lazarus clouds rain down upon the planet, people across the globe begin to develop strange new abilities, watch their already extraordinary abilities change, and witness a whole host of chaos unlike anything the DCU has experienced before. It's up to Damien Wayne to put out the distress call for whoever can still hear it. Come to the ruins of the Hall of Justice and help save the world. Poison Ivy, Pargirl, Cyborg, Batman, and more answer the call. But why could the fate of all life as we know it rest in the hands of Monkey Prince? So, I mean, Mark Wade knows the DC Universe inside and out. He's good at spotlighting lesser-known characters. He's good at getting to the sort of heart of the DC Universe as well. He did it for years at Marvel. You know, the man just loves and understands comics. So... Yeah, I'm looking forward to this myself. I will be jumping on it because, as I say, I'm a big Mark Wade fan. But, again, the structure of it's just a bit weird. Like, if this was called Lazarus Planet number one, Lazarus Planet number two, Lazarus Planet number three, I think it would be easier to follow. 
Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. So this is a 48-page one-shot to start. Then each of the the additional one-shots are 48 pages, but they're, they're collections of vignettes uh, focused on, you know, the Superman family or the, the, the magic side of the DC universe or, you know, those sorts of things. Um, it's interesting, the Superman one, the Assault and Krypton shows, like Electric Superman from sort of back in the late 90s. Yeah. Uh, that's a weird one. So maybe his powers change. I don't know. So... It's a, it's definitely, a, it's definitely an odd one for sure. I'm going to pick up the the alpha, and then I'll see, as you said, I'll see how you go. Yeah, I think that's uh, probably the way to do it. But uh, if it if it hooks you at the alpha, the, the, see, this is maybe I'm looking at this from the point of view of a retailer, because obviously the last time we get chance to do top ups is a month before something comes out. So I don't know. We may order say thirty copies of alpha. But does that mean we order thirty copies of the next one, or only fifteen people going to stick to it? You know, it's it's hard maybe as a retailer. Yeah, so maybe that's why yeah. I'm looking at this as a slightly weirdly released uh, event. But we'll have you covered either way, I am sure. But uh, move away from that and on to DC's best title trademark, uh, Nightwing, continues to reign supreme in the DC universe. Tom Taylor, Bruno Redondo. Just a masterclass in comic storytelling every single issue. And we're reaching issue 100. So that's of the run since Rebirth started. Uh, there were some dark days, as Keith will attest to, with Rick Grayson. But that just made the light days even better. So what they're doing is a 56-page oversized anniversary issue. The whole thing's written by Tom Taylor. But there are a couple of artists involved. So Bruno Redondo, of course, but also Mikel Yannan, Javier Fernandez, Scott McDaniel, and Rick Leonardi. So these are artists who have who have put a stamp on Nightwing over the years. And um, I can't believe you, you you left Rick Leonardi to the end there. I was building up to the best of them. Oh, okay. All right. Fair enough, fair enough. You know, you either want to be mentioned first or mentioned last. That's that's <laughs> one on one. But yeah, as I said, it's going to be a celebratory issue. So come join us with big smiles and even bigger celebrations as Nightwing hits its milestone. Um, cheer how far we've come by looking through the decades of what has made Nightwing a beloved hero. What better way to celebrate than with familiar friends and artists? Then, with Heartless creating a lair in the heart of Bloodhaven to take Blockbuster's throne, Nightwing will follow suit, setting up a headquarters of his own with the help of some friends who helped make him who he is now, of course. So, there's a really gorgeous uh, cover for this from Bruno Redondo. There is a little bit of a jokey cover in DC Connect where Bruno Redondo is still over sort of the artist board, if you will, drawing it. But I have seen the finished image, and it is glorious. But there's also a <laughs> bunch, an absolute bunch of great-looking variants here, which I think is maybe going to test Keith a little bit. Mm, well, I mean, that, that Redondo not-quite-finished cover is fantastic because he's got himself, as you say, covering up. And then you've got Tom Taylor, you know, <laughs> face-palming in the background. That's very funny. Um yeah, there's a there's a there's a couple of good covers there. All right, I mean the uh, the Campbell wraparound variant cover has my eye. Uh, I really like the fact that that wraparound cover has included when Dick Grayson was Batman. Yes, absolutely. Because it yep. has him sort of. It has this great image of sort of Dick Grayson throughout the years, and obviously between just before the new Fifty Two, Dick had taken over as Batman after uh, Bruce Wayne disappeared into the annals of time. So I really like that they included that as well. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's uh, it's very cool. Uh, it also has his, his badass ponytail from uh, from before that time. And uh, the thing that it hasn't got, it doesn't have his Grayson period. Yeah, that's true. His uh, his age, you know, his agent of spiral period. But uh, there you go. I like the uh, the Jorge Jimenez uh, Babs and Dick cover. Uh, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, there's yeah, you're right. Could be a tester. Could be a tester. That's actually a, a bit of a mick take for a Batman Fifty issue. 
because Jorge Jimenez did that same cover, but with ba- uh, Batman and Catwoman. Uh, but it's not quite as lighthearted as this, whereas this just seems to be taking the mick out of it, which is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But cool. yeah, I mean, as if you shouldn't be on again Nightwing already, because I can't say it enough, it really is DC's most consistent and best title. I'm assuming number 100 will be a jumping on point as well for new readers. Of course, you can always go back and jump on the trades. Tom Taylor's been on it since issue 78. But again, this will be uh, definitely a jumping on point and a celebration of the character as well. And then just to finish off from me anyway from Batman we've got the latest One Bad Day launching this month as well so so far we've already had the Riddler we've had Two-Face we've had Penguin uh, I believe Mr. Freeze will be out before this one but what we've got here is Bane and this is from a great creative team Joshua Williamson writing and Howard Porter on art so this is going to launch 17th of January Batman One Bad Day Bane so a past present and future destroyed by Venom Wait, am I reading the Marvel book? Um, <laughs> Very clever. Uh, I have my moments. Uh, so, Bane broke the bat. He's one of the only villains to ever truly vanquish the Dark Knight. But is that all he's ever accomplished? Decades from now, Bane is a washed up wrestler. You have my attention. Uh, reliving his glory days in the ring. Defeating someone dressed like Batman every day. Clearly the man has issues. Uh, but when he discovers that there's a new source of venom in the world, he'll do everything he can to shut down the facility it's coming from for good and make sure that no one takes the poison that ruined his life. An epic saga set throughout Bane's life, expanding on the hopes, dreams, regrets and failures of one of DC's most legendary villains. Brought to you by the iconic creative team of Joshua Williamson and Howard Porter. That sounds fantastic. And some of the preview art pages are pretty stunning for this. So uh, I think what I think these Batman One Bad Days, I think they're all just trying to outdo Tom Keen and Mitch Dreads. Like the, the template has been set with the first one and they're all just trying to aspire to be as good as that. So, uh, but yeah, there's one of the preview pages. Obviously, they're talking about being featuring uh, in the ring against a different Batman every night. And you can see a, bat, a character dressed as Batman in the background, but you can also see a ring announcer dressed as the Joker as well. So he must be having some lucid dreams here. <laughs> so yeah, that is... Yeah, it's, uh, I uh, picked up Riddler. We talked about that uh, during our last review show there a few weeks back. Possibly the best, uh, the best piece that DC has released in years. Um, I didn't go for the Penguin, but I am picking up... Um, I am picking up Bane, I think. Yeah, I mean, uh, I would recommend Penguin. Penguin was very, very good. Uh, Two-Face was okay. Oh, sorry, I didn't pick up Two-Face. I did pick up Penguin. Penguin oh, was John okay. Ridley, wasn't it? Yeah, we're all good then. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah Penguin yeah. one basically starts with the Penguin. He has nothing in Gotham, and he buys, like, a cheap gun and one bullet off some bum in the street, and he's determined to use that to then barter his way up to building his empire again. It's, it's very, very good. Uh, so, yeah, that is Batman One Bad Day being due out in January. So, uh, but there is one more Bat title to be uh, talked about, I believe. Yeah, absolutely. And how could you not talk about Batman The Adventures Continue Season 3 kicking off with Issue 1? This is the final season of Batman The Adventures Continue. And The Adventures Continue is the the Batman series that sort of picks up where uh, the Batman The Animated Series and Batman Robin Adventures sort of sort of uh, left off. So we didn't share, we weren't sure if, uh, if season three was happening. Um, after Ty Timbleton, who was the artist uh, on it uh, on uh, in, in 2021, announced that he had been diagnosed with stage three colorectal cancer, for cancer and, uh, and all the best to him. Um, but the, the final season 
Uh, season three uh, will be written, be, continue to be written by Alan Burnett and Paul Dini. And the art is by Jordan Gibson. And looking at the art, it looks like he's very much sort of in the style of, of Ty Templeton and in the style of the animated series. And uh, and that's good to see. Um, so it says Alan Burnett and Paul Dini return once more to the world of Batman, the animated series. Someone is targeting the muscle uh, now that he's locked up in Blackgate Penitentiary with uh, with his deep ties to the criminal underbelly of Gotham. The worst villains are calling for his head before he turns them over to the police. Batman will need to protect him, but can even the Dark Knight figure out where the next attack will come from? So yeah, uh, looks uh, looks good. Art looks good. Uh, we've got a wee bit of Killer Croc in there and Commissioner Gordon and Black Mask and so yeah, looking forward to this. Very, very colourful, uh, and uh, and the art looks looks great. So uh, yeah, I'll be on this for the foreseeable. Yeah, um, yeah, I think it's one of seven. Yeah, the first one I think was eight, and then the second season was seven. But as you say, we we had the news Ty Templeton obviously unfortunately has health issues. But I mean, in terms of picking up the baton, I think that uh, Jordan Gibson's style there looks very, very similar and very loyal to the to the animated series but yeah they've just been really well written as well so uh definitely look forward to this so that's the batman corner finished believe it or not <laughs> it is indeed and we will swing into the uh, kryptonian corner uh with action comics 1051 which is an all-new 48 page format same great price uh fortunately philip kennedy johnson is staying put uh and he's joined uh on this this big one uh, by Dan Jurgens and Leah Williams, art by Rafa Sandoval, Lee Weeks, Marguerite Suavage, uh, and a Dan Mora cover. Uh, we have uh, Action Comics Reborn. Uh, so it's a bit of a jumping on point, I think. Uh, Action Comics 1051 begins a new format for DC's most action-packed title, offering not one, not two, but three epic adventures of Superman and the entire Super family. Following the bomb shell events of action comics 1050 the world's relationship with superman is forever changed the upper limits of his supercharged powers have yet to be reached and the house of l's transformation of metropolis led by steel has begun but lex luther has found the perfect instrument with which to undo everything superman is working to achieve metallo whose hatred of superman is matched only by his hatred for luther himself then in lois and clark too doom rising dan jurgens and lee weeks return to tell a tale of a young john kent on the farm with his parents learning about his abilities coming of age and battling the Doombreaker. And finally, Power Girl returns in part one of a three-part story spinning out of Lazarus Planet. This issue marks the first appearance of new characters, new costumes, and a new era of action comics. It all starts here, and it all looks good. The new costumes and the uniforms on the cover look fantastic. Um, so really looking forward to this. Can't go wrong with a damn more cover. You surely can't. Um, and uh, looking, at, looking at the... Uh, the I guess designs for for Cal L for uh, for for Cara for Connor, uh, you know, for for John and for the the Super Twins. Uh, it's, it's it's all looks all those all those are di- designed by Dan Mora, yeah. Super Family. So so yeah, that's looking looking pretty cool. Um, are you gonna be uh, are you gonna be picking up Action Comics? I know you're an on again, off again. Yeah, Superman I'm gonna fan. jump back on at a ten fifty and uh, go from there so i kind of i kind of feel i would be slightly cheating if i just jumped on a kal-el returns and uh although i should really read those issues because they cross over with superman son of kal-el oh <clears throat> uh and that last that last issue the second part of uh 
the return of of Kaliel, uh, whatever it's called, was a tearjerker in that in that <laughs> issue of uh, of Superman, Son of Kaliel. Uh, it was really good. Read that last night and uh, and and had to go and get a tissue. <laughs> <laughs> Always a good time. Ah, uh, yeah, absolutely. So also in the in the speedster corner, then. Uh, we have the the ongoing one minute war. Uh, Flash seven nine one has the one minute war part two. Really cool concept. Um, but there's a, a Flash one minute war special written by Jeremy Adams, who's the ongoing writer on the Flash. Um, it's a forty eight page special, and it says a lot can happen in sixty seconds as the Flash event one minute war one minute war rages on. Writer Jeremy Adams gives you further insights into the alien speedster race that has invaded Central City and how the Flash family fights back. So it looks like one of those sort of you know, add-on handbooky type things, but uh, Jeremy Adams is writing it, so I'll probably grab that. That looks like a really cool, a really cool event, doesn't it? Oh, the concept's fantastic. You know, the one-minute war, the whole event taking over the, the the space of one minute. I think is is pretty much inspired. It it also means that it remains a flash event because you know it's not like other characters can come to his aid because they obviously can't move mm-hmm. at the same speed. Although maybe Superman could come in, but that's a discussion for another time, I would imagine. <laughs> <clears throat> so controversial controversial indeed so but uh yeah just in terms of single issues just one more i just wanted to point out from this month just uh, that's a curiosity more than anything but i seem to remember this issue one being my pick of the week quite a while back and it really was quite a while back this series makes doomsday clock look like a weekly released comic so i mean it's not probably something you're on simply because i know you're not a fan of the the black label prestige plus format series obviously the larger magazine size but there was a a swamp thing one that came out and it was a fantastic first issue written by jeff lamar and art by doug mankey and it's called swamp thing green hell it was really gruesome it was end of the world stuff swamp thing had given up on trying to even save the world in any way because man had destroyed it so much but there were still small pockets of people who were determined to try and you know keep civilization going so to speak but they brought out the number one. It was it was a hit in our store anyway. We had loads of people on it. And then it all went quiet. Nothing was solicited. Nothing was being released. You started to wonder if it had been cancelled. But it's finally going to return. But it's been so long that they're doing a second printing. Just to remind you what happened in number one. Uh, with the mm-hmm. idea being that number two will be out in February. Number three will be out in March. So just in case you missed out on it. I, I highly, highly recommend it. Especially knowing that the, the other issues are not too far behind. So... Uh, again, just the solicitation, it's it's quite similar to what I said, but in the future, the last remnants of civilization cling to a nearly submerged mountaintop, and to finish humanity off, the red, the green, and the rot have joined forces to send the most monstrous swamp thing ever created. So, again, I, I know you're not a, a massive fan of the format size, but I, I do. I would really highly recommend that as a, uh, as a title. I mean, I'm loving Swamp Thing in, in all his various um, aspects. Uh, you know the Ram B, uh, the Swamp Thing book was was great, and he recently appeared uh, a few other different places. I mean, yeah, it's the it's the Prestige Plus format that's put me off. If it's ever if it's ever traded in a in a regular size, I will be I will be straight to its door. I'll be traded uh, in a black little size. Yeah, well, you never know. <laughs> we'll see what happens. So tell me, tell me, tell me. I, uh, I as you know, you uh, you were you were good enough to uh, to gift me with them. Uh, the the Sandman. Uh, four books that complete the uh, the tale of the Sandman. Uh, I've now read the first two. Um, really enjoyed them. Uh, I don't know why I waited so long to read Neil Gaiman's classic, but I see here we have a book five collected edition, and it's uh, it's noted that is a must read expansion of Neil mm-hmm. Gaiman's Sandman saga. Now that that makes me a little bit nervous, a little bit uh, suspicious. 
What's yeah, going on here? It's an expansion rather than, I suppose you would look at it as a companion to Sandman rather than all new material, so to speak. I mean, it's if you enjoy the world of Sandman, obviously there's tons of depth to Sandman. You know, it's, it's Neil Gaiman. He's not someone that does surface. He does depth. And this is essentially going to be a book which contains sort of prose editions, prose stories, as well as one or two small amounts which are, are drawn. So, you know, the solicitation tells you is the supplemental volume delves deeper into the lives of Morpheus and his kin, featuring the iconic meeting between Neil Gaiman, Sandman, and the Golden Age Sandman, Wesley Dodds. A tale set in feudal Japan, illustrated by acclaimed artist Yoshitaka Amano, and spotlight stories on each member of the Endless drawn by P. Craig Russell, Frank Wiley, Glenn Fabry, and others. And then Book 5 collects Sandman Midnight Theatre number 1, the prose edition of Sandman, the Dream Hunters, which we've already read at this point, and Sandman, Endless Nights. So that's that's just where I worry about it being essential. You know, their the, the stories presented in a different format. Are they really essential? The completionist in you probably says yes. Yeah, and then there there is, but then there's an element of ching ching, you know, cashing yeah. in as yeah. well. Um, which of course they're cashing in on on the, on the completionist, as you say. So. Well, let's be uh, honest. I'll be getting them in anyway, so you can have a flick through it and decide whether you want to. Seems seems fair. Seems pick fair. it up or not, but but one thing you definitely will want to pick up. Well, we won't because we haven't single issues because it's one of the best things that come out of DC in recent times. But yeah, we're going to be getting in January the final volume. Well, it's only volume two, but the final volume of Nice House in the Lake. This is quite simply, as I say, one of the best things DC's released in the last few years. So written by James Tinney in the fourth, art by Alvaro Martino Bueno and Jordi Belair on colours. And volume one's already available. That's issues one to six. Volume two is going to cover seven to 12. And... It's it continues to be such a hard title to talk about. We were we were trying to chat to someone in the store about it today, and you want to sort of tell them about it, but you don't want to spoil that page turn in yeah. issue one. So it's a little bit hard to to go into. But again, can't recommend it highly enough. I wouldn't be surprised, admittedly, if there's a nice hardcover down the line, which will collect all twelve. But certainly, if you've got the first six, this is going to be absolutely essential. Mm. And then the last one, just to uh, bring a bit of uh, attention to, because I know there's quite a few fans in store, uh, there's going to be a brand new deluxe edition of Doom Patrol by Jared Way and Nick Darrington. So this was their run on the title, which was 12 issues in total. And then there was a, a follow-up series, which was called Doom Patrol Weight of the Worlds, issues 1 to 7. So this is going to contain all 19 issues, uh, written by Jared Way with art by Nick Darrington. So... Uh, I know we have a few Doom Patrol fans in the store. I know there's a few guys not sure where to start with Doom Patrol. I find this a much more user-friendly Doom Patrol title and say jumping into Grant Morrison, which is not too surprising, admittedly. <laughs> yep, but, famous last words there. But uh, yeah, EMT driver Casey Brink has been plagued by bizarre memories her entire life. Her perception of reality and fiction is about to blur even further when she encounters Robot Man, Crazy Jane, Negative Man, Flex Mentalo, and Danny the Street, a.k.a. the Doom Patrol. Together with her new friends, Casey will learn that Bazaar is just the tip of the iceberg in this imaginative reinvention of the cult series written by My Chemical Romance frontman Jared Way and illustrated by Nick Darrington. This deluxe edition collects all 12 issues of the 2016 Young Animal Revival plus Doom Patrol Weight of the World. So, yeah, if you're looking at jumping on point for Doom Patrol, as I say, I love the Grand Morrison stuff, but it is very much out there, whereas this is much more sort of user-friendly and approachable, I think. So, yeah, beyond that, there's all the usual, you know, great titles continuing within the DC catalogue. You know, 
Detective Comics continues, Catwoman continues, etc., etc., etc. But those are just all the either jumping on points or the titles we're looking forward to, to digging into from DC. So we move away from DC and on to the House of Ideas. So lead the way on what's happening in Marvel this month. Sure. Um, as we mentioned in the uh, preamble, uh, Marvel have between sort of now and uh, and the, the remainder of 2023 have uh, pointed out in a, in a lovely graphic that they have six events, um, whether those are crossovers or, you know, events within their own book uh, or whatever, uh, between, as I say, November 2022 and summer of 2023. Do you want to have a wee quick overview of those before we get, we get in? Because there's a couple of them that are actually included here and it might just... It might just help. What do you think? You happy to do so? Yeah, work away. Cool. Um, all right. So there's a couple that have kicked off already. And the first of those, uh, so count them, as I say, first of six. Uh, we have Avengers Assemble now. Jason Aaron, uh, the fantastic writer uh, of a number of things we've enjoyed, not least uh, Conan uh, the Barbarian and the, uh, the, the Thor run and so forth. Uh, has been leading the Avengers franchise since about 2018 uh, and has been writing the main Avengers title. Now, it took him a wee while to get going, I feel, uh, but once he did, he really started, he really, we really went there. Uh, so the main Avengers title, a bunch of spin-offs, and he introduced the prehistoric Avengers 1 million BC uh, and also the multiverse-based uh, Avengers Forever spin-off, which is currently ongoing. So with Avengers Assemble, all three of those teams, the main team, the Avengers Forever team, the prehistoric Avengers, are all coming together for Jason Arm's final Avengers story titled Avengers Assemble, which is billed, of course, as the biggest Avengers story ever told, bringing in every Avenger ever. Now, those are big words, <laughs> according to uh, Marvel's promotional materials. What kind of threat is big enough to require hundreds uh, of Avengers from across time and space to come together as one. That seems to be uh, a twofer. The, uh, the, the, the Marvel devil, uh, Mephisto, has banded together with versions of himself from across the multiverse as the so-called Council of Red, while Doctor Doom has assembled a team of villains from different realities as a new incarnation of the multiversal masters of evil. That story kicks off, well, it's, it's, it's already sort of started ramping up in both Avengers and Avengers Forever. Uh, but it kicks off in total, uh, in reality, uh, multiversal reality, in November with the Avengers Assemble Alpha one-shot and then con continues in the main Avengers title and the Avengers Forever spin-off with uh, a few other bits and pieces yet to be announced and uh, throughout this book. The other, the second uh, uh, event that we have, uh, which is ongoing currently and throughout the, the month of January, is Spider-Man X-Men crossover Dark Web. Now that uh, is starting in December, I believe, mm -hmm. next month. Yeah. There's a there's a prelude uh, issue in Venom 14, and it's a crossover story that brings together Spider-Man and the X-Men along with uh, some other supporting characters as they take on Madeline Pryor slash the Goblin Queen, who has been uh, very prominent in the New Mutants uh, recently, as she has become the Queen of Limbo, taking over from um, uh, Ilana Rasputin. Um, and also uh, Ben Reilly slash Chasm, now uh, after the Batman, the Batman Beyond. Jeez, I'm obsessed with Batman. I'm getting <laughs> as bad as you. The Spider-Man Beyond um, sort of arc. Ben Riley found himself in a, an unenviable place and seems to have taken on a new, um, a new uh, alias as Chasm, 
and that was previewed in the free comic book day issue. Uh, so a pair of villains, they've got a deep-seated history with both Spidey and the mutants, and they're teaming up for the first time. Uh, Spider-Man and the X-Men have teamed up loads in the past, but Dark Web's a little different because the two villains, Goblin Queen and Chasm, are both clones of the heroes who are involved. Uh, the Goblin Queen, Madeline Pryor, is a clone of Jean Grey, and Ben Reilly is, of course, a clone of Peter Parker. So they share something of an agenda. Uh, Dark Web kicks off officially in December. Uh, one shots uh, runs through Amazing Spider-Man, Venom, several tie-ins, including Norman Osborn starring as a Gold Goblin. Uh, we've got uh, Miss Marvel, Kamala Khan, and a team-up title for Mary Jane uh, Watson and the Black Cat. And there's two spin-off titles that will come out at the end of the Dark Web. A Red Goblin title starring Norman Osborn's grandson and the new villain Hallow's Eve, who will debut during the event. Uh, so there's some cool stuff uh, going on there. And as I say, Dark Web uh, runs through January uh, through this book with Amazing Spider-Man 17 and 18, Dark Web, Miss Marvel 2, Dark Web, X-Men number 3, Mary Jane and Black Cat 2, Gold Goblin 3 and Venom number uh, number 15. So the third of those events, uh, which starts, I believe, in January within this book, is X-Men Sins of Sinister. Uh, and come January, uh, the X-Men will have some serious problems of their own with the onset of that particular event. It's an X-Men line crossover that is going to pay homage to one of my favorite crossovers of all time, the original 1995 Age of Apocalypse saga by flashing forward 10 years to a future timeline ruled by Mr. Sinister in a word remade in his image, which has been sort of teased throughout various books, including, um, what do you call it? Time? Is it timeline? Time? Timeless. What do you call it? Say again? Timeless. Timeless, that's the one. Uh, so the whole pre premise is very similar to the concept of Edge of Apocalypse, in which Apocalypse became the ruler of a timeline in which the original X-Men never existed. But rather than happening by accident, Sins of Sinister seems to have been uh, taken place due to very, uh, very purposeful machinations by Sinister himself to create a world where he is ruler. Um, Sins of Sinister apparently has some prelude issues in Immortal X-Men uh, and then in December. And then the full event kicks off in January with a one-shot title, Sins of Sinister, which we'll be talking about, along with three tie-in limited series, which take 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 over from three core X-Men titles. So that's kind of how Age of Apocalypse did it. All of the, the ongoing X titles were were paused and these new titles took over where, where they had previously existed. So that's that's cool to see. The three limited series, each consisting of three issues, including includes Immoral X-Men, which replaces Immortal X-Men, Storm and the Brotherhood of Mutants, which replaces X-Men Red, and Nightcrawlers, which replaces Legion of X. Uh, all of which take the core con concepts of those main titles and twist them into something that fits into Sinister's reality. That will run till April, and then we'll then wrap with a one-shot title, Sins of Sinister Dominion. Any interest there? Ish. I mean, I will certainly be on the dark web stuff. Uh, Sins of Sinister, you've got Karen Gillan, you've got my attention there a little bit as well. So, yeah, I mean, I just I get Marvel fatigue event marvel event fatigue usually because they do four events here six mm -hmm. crossover events sounds worryingly big to me right yes i mean uh, what i mean the thing that's got me with this is the age of apocalypse thing the, the fact that they're they're no, going to be now i've picked up age of apocalypse in omnibus i've never read it oh and i know you're a huge fan 
you're in for a treat sir so uh i look forward to that and then maybe that will then inspire me to go oh they're repeating this trick i can get on board with that good enough i remember at the time yeah it was just it was great all of the just confusing because there was no internet to refer to but mm-hmm. also uh, cool and mysterious uh you know because they were they were they were it seemed like they were canceling all the x titles <laughs> at that time you know but uh but yeah, very, very cool. Uh, picked them all up from uh, Forbidden Planet whenever it was still on uh, Wine Tavern Street, right opposite uh, where your store is now. Back in the day. Um, so when it was Talisman rather than Forbidden Planet. But yeah, anyway, moving on to the fourth event, and one I think we're all interested in, Captain America Cold War, Ooh, uh, currently brewing uh, in the, the two Captain Americas in the Marvel Universe right now, Steve Rogers and Sam Wilson. They each have their own ongoing titles, Sentinel of Liberty and Symbol of Truth, their own adventures and their own shields. But in spring of 2023, both titles will come together for the crossover Cold War, which ties into the recent events in Steve Rogers' title, Sentinel of Liberty, where we have the, uh, well, there's some cool stuff going on there just at the minute, as well as Sam Wilson's title, The Symbol of Truth. And Symbol of Truth, Sam has been dealing with complex political situation in Africa, while working alongside Ian Rogers, Steve Rogers' adopted son from the villain Arnim Zola's artificial uh, reality known as Dimension Z. Yeah, that was all in Rick Remender's run, wasn't it? Yes, uh, uh, Remender and Romito, wasn't it? Yeah, that's the one. And in Sentinel of Liberty, Steve has been facing down against a secret criminal organization known as the Outer Circle that ties to his past uh, and who will seemingly welcome Winter, Sh- Winter Soldier into their ranks as a villain leading up to Cold War. We've seen uh, Bucky's new costume previewed and a variety of other bits and pieces. So uh, let's see what's coming there. Okay, into the uh, into the back, the back end of this. Uh, in summer 2023, we have Summer of Symbiotes. Uh, I kind of uh, signed a wee bit fatigue. at this one uh, because uh, so many symbiotes, so many symbiotes. Um, so, yeah, looking a little further ahead of Summer 23, they're planning to put a spotlight in Venom's corner of the universe again with an event titled Summer of Symbiotes with a, a weirdly hilarious tagline of suns out, tongues out. Um, okay. Um, it will obviously involve Venom, Carnage, and more symbiotes with their respective titles. Uh, but all, the biggest thing we know about the story is that it'll supposedly include new stories and titles and even potentially new symbiotes. Um there's some guesses that uh, the upcoming Red Goblin title in which Norman Osborn's grandson, Normie Osborn, gets his own Red Goblin symbiote is part of that. But uh, other than that, we're going to have to wait and see. And then finally, we have Fall of X in summer 2023. Um, this is sort of, I guess, going to be the third big story in Marvel's timeline uh, for the year. The others being, you know, Dark Web and Sins of Sinister. Um being being sort of x x titles we have fall of x no clue really what it's going to be just yet but the name would seem to indicate that it will mark the end of the current era of the x-men franchise which as you know the naming convention has been you know house of x powers of x swords of x you know all of that sort of so it looks like we're i don't know are we going to see the end of the current krakoa status quo yeah, um, you do wonder if people have a little bit of a, a hankering for the old status quo, you know, in the mansion, you know, that kind of, I mean, comics are always cyclical like this anyway, you know, and obviously what Hickman has done is, is quite revolutionary to say the least, but it, it goes back to, we talked about it, I think earlier in the store, it goes back to 
making it approachable for new readers and maybe mm. when it's this far along it's not so maybe yeah it'll, it'll be curious to see what they've done because obviously it's went from Hickman to Jerry Dugan and then we'll see from here I suppose yeah I mean you know we had we had Dawn of X in 2020 and Reign of X in 2021 current Destiny of X 2022 and this looks like the last phase um, and we'll kick off probably probably around uh, assuming we have a hellfire gala in 2023 probably around then mm-hmm. i mean i would i would hate to think i can't see how you know the the the, the mansion seems so small now compared to what they've done on the island <laughs> compared to what they've done to the planets <laughs> yeah that you know mars it just i don't i don't see how they can comfortably go back to that status quo and i, I would really hate to see it i think it would be a, such a waste uh, of of what we've accomplished, I mean, I, I feel like Hickman has has completely altered that status quo and and wiped away with what we need. But you know, the Fall of X makes me think of the there was a classic eighties crossover called the Fall of the Mutants, which marked the you know a, a big status quo change for the X Men. So could be against that similar shift, the end of the Krakoan era. But uh, for me, here's hoping not. Um, you know, so uh, but yeah. Uh, as I say, as we get later on in the in the year, it's there's less and less information. But as soon as we have anything, we shall certainly let you know via this very podcast medium. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, as I say, dark web uh, dark web continues, and uh, and sins of sinister kicks off with a one shot in January. But uh, let me see, getting into to what we uh, what we have, uh, what else we have kicking off uh, outside of uh, dark web. Um, it looks like we have um, the beginning of an Avengers uh, miniseries, The Avengers War Across Time. It's the first of a five-issue miniseries by Paul Levitz and Alan Davis. Thor, Iron Man, Captain America, Giant Man and the Wasp, the classic Avengers against the Hulk on the streets of New York. It's the beginning of the sh- of a showdown with Kang the Conqueror, which will span the centuries. Eisner uh, Hall of Famer Paul Levitz makes his Marvel debut, unless you count... Amazing Adventures number five teamed with acclaimed artist Alan Davies. Not a lot of uh, interest, not, not a lot of, of in- information there, but certainly interesting, especially if Kang's involved. And we're maybe going to see uh, some bits and pieces all across the uh, all across the timeline of the Avengers. Could be uh, could be fun. What do you think? Yeah, uh, I would say so. I would say so. I mean, we've there there is lots to look forward to in this Marvel book. Um, you know, we've some we've some number ones all the way here, which is good to see because I, I do worry with events, you know, with the likes of Dark Web and stuff like that, that suddenly every book gets suckered into it. And if you're not mm-hmm. reading the event, it can be a little uh a little tricky to get into this sort of stuff, you know. But one thing I am looking forward to, because there are fanboys everywhere for it for some reason, <laughs> uh and fangirls, is Scarlet Witch's launch of a new series. Now I know this is not one you'll be on. And I don't think it's anything to do with the character, but I know there's certain, yeah, certain creators yeah, just maybe yeah. don't do it for you. No, um, Steve Orlando is the is the writer on this. Uh, while Sarah Sarah Pacelli, the one of the creators of Miles Morales, is is the artist. Uh, Steve Orlando is the writer, and uh, I mean I don't like to to badmouth anybody, but nothing he's done in the past wee while has has grabbed me at all, despite the fact I've tried it. Commanders in Crisis. Was a no a no no fly for me. Um, he, he took over Marauders from uh, from uh, Jerry Duggan, and immediately sort of it just went downhill uh, to my mind. Anyway, <laughs> the Spider Man twenty ninety nine Exodus stuff was all right, but again the main story. I, I enjoy the characters, but the story 
was a wee bit convoluted and stop start. So, uh, so no, uh, I will not. I will be not following creators in this case, <laughs> uh, and not following Steve Orlando and the Scarlet Witch. But this, you know, Scarlet Witch herself is an interesting character. What's going on with this? Well, yeah, Steve Orlando riding Serpicelli on art. Pretty cool cover from Russell Dodderman there as well. And as I say, a lot of people have been looking for sort of jumping into Scarlet Witch stories and. There's not an awful lot you can recommend. Uh, there was was it a James Robinson series not too long ago, and then prior to that, it tends to be Vision and Scarlet Witch stories, or Scarlet Witch being in Avengers versus X Men, or you know stuff like that. So, but this one is very much her coming back into her own series. I believe it's going to be a five issue mini. Uh, Scarlet Witch returns. There is a door that appears only to those who need it most, who have no one else in the world to turn to. On the other side of this door is the witchcraft shop. Friend or foe, human or otherwise, if your need is great and your hope is gone, there you will meet the Scarlet Witch. Wanda Maximoff is familiar with hitting rock bottom, and now that she's finally found peace, she's pledged all her power to help others who are languishing at their lowest. But when a woman falls through Wanda's door with a terrifying story of a town gone mad, the Scarlet Witch will have to muster her wits and chaos magic to deal with an insidious threat. So, a new chapter for Scarlet Witch. Again, I know there's definitely going to be an audience for this. Uh, certainly with the amount of exposure Scarlet Witch has been getting through the MCU and through the movies and so forth. Uh, so I, I might actually give the first issue a go. I do really like Sarah Pacelli. And I also like sort of the mystical side of the Marvel Universe. Mm. Um, so I think I'll definitely give this a go just for that reason. So that's uh, Scarlet Witch number one. There is also a new uh, Ant-Man related series coming as well, which is following in the footsteps of the recently completed Al Ewing Ant-Man series. And once again, it's Al Ewing. This one is called Wasp number one of four. So the the covers by Tom Riley are going to follow the same format as before. Kazia Nye is the artist on this. Not someone I'm overly familiar with, I must admit, has worked on no, Mockingbird and Age of Conan by the look of it. But Al Ewing... You can't go wrong there. So for Wasp number one, fashion designer, businesswoman, founding Avenger, which everyone seems to forget, Janet Van Dyne has worn many hats over the course of her superheroic career. But when an old enemy threatens Janet and her fellow Wasp, Nadia, seemingly against his will, the Van Dynes will have to confront the ghosts in their shared history to get to the bottom of the mystery. So uh, history and mystery. That was some, uh, some rhyming there. <laughs> Al Ewing, I hope you wrote that uh, yourself. <laughs> Um, I love that original Tom Riley cover, uh, which follows the same format as the the, the Al Ewing Ant Man series. Yeah, they're really uh, cool. And it, uh, you know, it showed the the Ant Man, Ant Man's through the ages, and uh, this looks like it's going to do the same with Wasp because she had many changes of of costume, being a fashion designer herself. Yeah, very much so. So, yeah, we mini series to jump into, and again, if you're on the Ant Man series, then I definitely recommend uh, moving across to that as well. So. What else have we got in terms of number ones there? Are we diving back into a previous um, continuity again, are we? Yeah, we are. Peter David's been doing this a wee bit with Hulk. Uh, and it's been done a wee bit with Symbiote Spider-Man uh, as well. And there's a recent Chris Claremont, a current ongoing Chris Claremont Gambit series, uh, which is, is diving into previous continuity. And there was a Wolverine uh, Wolverine patch series that did the same thing. They're, mm -hmm. they're really enjoyable. That that Gambit series is so high energy. Classic Claremont stuff. I'm really enjoying it. But this is Peter David uh, jumping back into Joe Fixit with a miniseries, five issues. This is number one. Uh, Ildre Sinar is the artist on it, uh, covered by Cully Hammer and some, some variants there. But Peter David returns to Joe Fixit. Peter David's tour de force through some of his greatest Hulk hits continues with the return to Joe Fixit. Gone 
are the ripped up shorts of the Hulk of yore. This enforcer prefers the slick, suave of a striped suit, and Hulk has traded in monster for mobster as he lends his strength to the Las Vegas casino scene. Of course, the Kingpin has his own ideas about who the toughest guy in town is, and it's up to Spider-Man uh, to keep the two of them from just from destroying Sin City. So yeah, I am going to jump on this. This was a, a really sort of cool version of the Hulk, uh, as I say, the, the Grey Hulk as Joe Fixit. Um, uh, and I love that exchanging monster for mobster <laughs> by line there. Uh, so I'll be I'll be picking this up. What do you What do you think yourself? Yeah, again, I've I've really enjoyed these sort of uh, steps back in the history. I obviously was on Silver Surfer Rebirth, which was uh, very mm-hmm. very good with the two Rons. I really enjoyed New Fantastic Four as well, which I believe was Peter Diaz, yeah. and you had Joe Fix it in that as well. So yeah, I'll I'll definitely jump on this. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's cool because these stories are original stories set within within you know the history of the Marvel universe, of which of course there is there's decades, uh, you know, unexplored wee bits or jumping back in, and I love how they're using that. Yeah, and it's you know it's, they're not just they did the same with uh, with Ben Riley and and uh, a few other bits and pieces, so they're not just uh, depending on obviously there's, there's there is an element of of, of looking back fondly. But the quality of some of the stories they've been telling have been really good. So I'm very happy to see them doing this sort of stuff and re-exploring these things and maybe introducing elements of characters or or, or arcs or, you know, that, that maybe younger readers or new readers haven't seen before or have no awareness of. And that'll lead to those those individuals maybe going back and and, uh, and trying to trying to find those runs or whatever. Um, and especially whenever they're, you know, they're, they're allowing... Not allowing, they're they're depending on the the original writers such as Peter David and Chris Claremont and those guys to and and the, the two Rons uh, to come back and uh, and do that. Yeah, I mean that's what's been so great. I think about this is that it's it's a way of those classic writers and artists getting not getting work. You know what I mean? That that maybe sounds a bit facetious, but it's just nice to see that their legacy work is appreciated. They're getting the chance to tell new stories in those continuities. And then, as you say, hopefully make new fans and people go back and check out the history. So, But they also stand very much alone as well, I've noticed so yeah. far. You know, they're they're just well-told stories and they're not here, jump into this, you know, 20-issue epic. It's like, here's five issues, really well-told, classic storytelling and uh, and good to go. But yeah, any of them I've read so far, like New Fantastic Four was a, a real surprise for me because it's not something Ooh. I've ever really read before. But it's just mm-hmm. really fun. It was just such yeah. a, a weird group of characters with Wolverine and Ghost Rider and uh, Joe Fixit, and it was just fun more than anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was Peter David as well. Wasn't Peter it? David, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. so I I'll definitely pick that up this. and trade. Yeah, he's yeah, spoken. He's spoken highly of it, and that's one that I that I that I didn't uh, pick up. So I'll maybe trade that. Um. So yeah, another uh, another character of of old Marvel that has been reinvigorated recently uh, is Shang Chi. Obviously, off the back of his uh, his movie. Uh, which was thoroughly enjoyable, and under the uh, under the watchful hand of Jean Lun Yang, and we have here in January Shang Chi, Master of the Ten Rings. Uh, it's a one shot. Jean Lun Yang, Mike Yig, and uh, a beautiful cover by Jim Chung. Uh, I don't see enough Jim Chung stuff. Um, <laughs> it is a one shot. I thought initially this was a series, but it is a one shot, and it is the conclusion of Jean Lun Yang's uh, Jean Lun Yang's uh, Shang Chi saga, and. Um, this has been across the different, you know, it, it, it's been one ongoing series, but across different titles. Yeah, a little you know, five-issue so minis yeah, and stuff, isn't it? five or six. Uh, yeah, so this is the this is the, the cherry on top. Father and son, side by side, Shang-Chi is lost in time 
and the only one can help him is, is his father. Will Shang-Chi do, what will Shang-Chi do when he meets the younger version of his evil parent? Will he be able to change the course of history or will Shang-Chi be shocked to discover that he didn't know his father as well as he thought? Find out in Jin Lun Yang, Shang-Chi Saga, as Jin Lun Yang, Shang-Chi Saga comes to its shocking conclusion. 40 pages and it is a, it is a one shot. So I would say they'll maybe collect all of the, the, the Jin Lun Yang stuff uh, Shang-Chi stuff together in, in one lovely hardcover. Uh, yeah, it'd be a, an easy collection to put together. Marvel do these sort of thicker um, graphic novels. They're still trade paperbacks, so they're not quite as expensive as hardcovers, but things that have recently been released, like the Charles Soule She-Hulk run, that it was just in that one nice little hardcover, the Matt Fraction Hawkeye run, things like that, where maybe you don't need quite the, the size and format of an omnibus, but it's still a chunky story. It's almost like a maxi series, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I've, I mean, I've thoroughly enjoyed, thoroughly enjoyed this run of, of Shang-Chi. Um, it's been great, great action, sort of great character pieces, great guest stars. Um, so, yeah, I would, I would highly recommend uh, the, the, the Jean Lun Yang uh, run on Shang-Chi. Um, I don't know if you picked up any of it, did you? No, I, I must admit I haven't. The, the last yeah. thing I think I read from Jin Lun Yang was he was on Batman Superman before mm, it got rebranded yeah, as yeah. World's Finest. That's right. Well, yeah, I mean, this is this this is just good, solid comics. Uh, it was in, in, in the best in the best way. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, um, moving on then, Sins of Sinister, number one. We've already talked about the, the miniseries. Uh, it's uh, Kieran Gillen pen, so that's never a bad thing. Uh, Kieran Gillen is just phenomenal. Uh, yeah, uh, say no more. Uh, Lucas Wernick and uh, and other artists. It says there's a Lionel Francis U cover, uh, and it looks like there's a wraparound variant by Jeff Shaw, and a few other. Uh, there's a, an homage variant by uh, Joshua Casara, our buddy, uh, and a few other bits and pieces. Um, and Lucas Wernick is one of Marvel's new Stormbreakers, and the uh, the solicitation says Powers of Essex. It's the end of the world as we know it, and at least Sinister feels fine. Always nice to see a wee REM reference in anywhere. <laughs> um, at least Sinister feels fine for now. Can that last? Especially when this when we discover that he's really he really is his own worst enemy. The universe melting X event begins here in a horror timeline that makes Edge of Apocalypse look like the X-Men swimsuit special. <laughs> Join Kieran Gillen, Immortal X-Men, uh, AXE Judgment Day, and others. As he kicks the X-Men crossover, Sinister has been planning since the beginning and is going to have to see through to the bitter end. This is a one-shot. It's 56 pages, so it's massive. Yeah, I mean, uh, is that the one that in the Marvel book it says the power of Essex? Yes, it does, yeah. <laughs> Which just makes Very... me laugh because that's where Vicky's from. Oh, man, it's just, it's, it's the, the, well, Nathaniel Essex is is, uh, <laughs> is sinister, obviously, but yeah, the power of Essex, uh, the powers of X, the, you know, all of the, there's so many wee things going in there, and I just, I love that solicitation. It's the end of the world as we know it, and sinister face fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Sins of Sinister. So that sort of finishes off the, the sort of single issue side of the Marvel book there. There's a couple of wee trades and bits and pieces we will uh, come to in a second, but... Just worth mentioning, the the new Stormbreakers were announced uh, for Marvel for 2023. Now, the Stormbreaker program, basically what that is, is they select and recognize sort of up-and-coming artists who go on to, like, basically be big players for Marvel for a couple of years. They essentially become exclusive to Marvel Comics in terms of being an artist. So they aren't necessarily up-and-coming artists 
per se. I mean, I remember Patrick Gleason being involved, for example, in one of the more recent Marvel ones. But it just means they're going to be exclusive to Marvel for a minimum of two years. So if you want to enjoy their work, it'll all be at the House of Ideas. So they always select eight uh, artists. And in this case, there is Elena Casagrande, who has recently worked on Black Widow with Kelly Thompson. You have Nick Klein, who for me is the standout of this group, doing fantastic work on Thor with Donny Cates. You have... Jan Basildia from uh, Legion of X, Chris Allen, who's working on Miles Morales' Spider-Man, Martin Kukulu, who's just recently launched Deadpool. You'll be very happy to know, Keith. Uh, mm-hmm. Lucas Wernick, who has worked on Immortal X-Men. C.F. Villa, who's worked on X-Men. And Federico Vicentini, who worked primarily on X-Deaths of Wolverine. I believe that was with uh, Josh Cassara. So, yeah, I mean, as I said, it just means that they're 100% exclusive to Marvel. You won't see their work... When I say exclusive to Marvel, I, I suppose I just mean with regards to the big two. I think they can still do creator-owned work, although Marvel, I'm sure, will keep them plenty busy so that uh, their work is primarily there. So just uh, artists worth keeping an eye out for in the next couple of years as well. So, yeah, And they've uh, they've sort of revealed a series of, of variant covers through the previews book uh, this month by its Stormbreakers class of 23, including, you know, by all of those, those eight diverse artists, you know, and I think... All eight covers will debut in in January, yeah, and uh, will feature um, will feature a lot of, amongst those those six crossover events that we talked about. Yeah, so if you're a variant uh, collector, definitely worth keeping an eye out for those as well. So, but yeah, just one more thing each to mention from the Marvel book. What is it you got? Yeah, uh, I'm actually moving away from uh, a little from comics and uh, towards uh, Marvel's multiverse role playing game core rulebook overview. Uh, so the core rulebook, sorry, core, core rulebook hardcover. I've got an overview here in front of me. So some months ago, Marvel released the soft cover multiverse role-playing game uh, playtest uh, book, uh, which I picked up. It was pretty interesting. I haven't managed to play it yet. So this is a this is a, a Marvel, the new iteration of the Marvel role-playing game, which has had a number of iterations over the decades. Um, I've probably picked up all of them. Some are better than others. And uh I do have my favorites. Uh, you've played uh, you've played one of them in particular, Alan, mm-hmm. uh, which is uh, which is one of my favorite versions. But I'm really interested to see how this one goes. So, as I say, it is uh, a a hardcover role playing book. So if that's your if that's your world, as it is mine, um, it's uh, it's a big book. It's 220 pages. It's a hardcover, so it's retailing around the the sixty dollar mark, uh, whatever that might be uh, for yourself. Um, it's written by Matt Forbeck and uh, covered by Ivan Coella. Uh, and the, the overview says you can play as an existing Marvel superhero, create your own character, or build your own Marvel multiverse saga with your friends. The game rules have been fully revised and updated from the playtest rulebook, thanks to contributions from Marvel gamers. And that was the, the whole idea of that, that people would play through it and then sort of uh, go, oh, I actually need to fix this. We have expanded power sets, loads of new hero and villain profiles, and everything you'll need to save the multiverse. You can construct heroes and villains using stats such as might, agility, resilience, uh, vigilance, ego, and logic. It's for two to six players. It uses three standard six-sided dice and will be governed by the all-new, all-different 616 system developed exclusively by Marvel. The solicitation says, Welcome to the Marvel Multiverse. Take on the roles of Marvel's most famous superheroes or entirely new ones and put an end to the sinister plots of the most menacing supervillains in the Marvel Multiverse. Written by D616 System co-creator and New York Times bestseller, Matt Forbeck, who also wrote the Marvel Encyclopedia and uh, Dungeons & Dragons Dungeonology. That reminds me. I must grab my uh, 
I heard back Marvel encyclopedias from home as well. Uh, <laughs> and includes all new chapter opening splash pages by Mike Bowden alongside along with illustrations from Marvel's incredible army of artists. The core rulebook features all the rules you'll need to play, including a quick character creation, bombastic combat, and scores of amazing powers, plus full profiles of dozens of Marvel's greatest heroes and villains. All you need is this book, three standard dice, and some friends. The Marvel Multiverse is calling. Come join the fun. So I'm thinking I'll maybe pick that up, and uh, we can uh, we can have a wee playthrough. How about that? Just when you thought you'd got everything from home. <laughs> exactly. All in one place. <laughs> yeah, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, because I know you'd picked up. Uh, there was like a trade paperback of this, wasn't there before? That was almost like a lead-in to yeah. or that kind of thing. Yeah, that was the that was the playtest edition. So you you played through that, and then there was a there was a, a system by which you could email them and say actually. How many suggestions really, did you send? Yeah. Uh, I didn't. I didn't send any. <laughs> I didn't actually get a chance to play through it. Martin and I had intended to, but life got a little busy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll get a wee group together. I'll, I'm going to pick this up. We'll get a wee group together, and uh, we'll give you another go at some Marvel role playing. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, so yeah, the Marvel Multiverse RPG core rulebook hardcover. And then just to finish off on the Marvel section, um, anybody who's sort of a frequent listener or watches a YouTube show or whatever else, we have created a section in store, which is the Marvel Epic Collection section, which I love saying just because it rhymes. But uh, Epic Collections are essentially perfect full-color reprints of classic Marvel runs. And they always focus on certain characters or certain titles. So if you come in, you'll see a section of Doctor Strange Epic Collections, a section of Fantastic Four, a section of X-Men, etc., etc., a section of Spider-Man. But one that has been added here, which is is pretty exciting, because, again, we have plenty of fans in store, and obviously Marvel didn't always have the rights to them, is they're now launching the Aliens Epic Collection, the original year's Volume 1 trade paperback. So this is basically going to be collecting together all the Dark Horse Alien stories from yesteryear, going right back to 1988. Uh, so, in fact, it's going right back to 1986 with a little preview first. But, yeah, you always get the guts of maybe 20, 21 issues in, in one volume. So what you've got here is uh, volume one, as I say, the galaxy's most terrifying creatures are coming for Earth. Years after the first two Aliens films, a xenomorph attack in space leads the colonial marines to take action. Soon, the badly scarred Hicks and the now-grown Newt find themselves swept up in a dangerous mission to locate and destroy the creature's homeworld. See? Newt and Hicks didn't need to die in between alien, Aliens and Alien 3. Um, can an obsessed military man train aliens to wipe out their own kind? And can an old friend help Hicks and Newt turn the tide by capturing an alien queen mother? Plus, an outer space treasure hunt becomes a battle for survival when aliens attack. So this is going to collect Aliens uh, 1 to 6 from 1988, Aliens uh, 1 to 4 from 1989, Aliens Earth War 1 and 4, and then material from Dark Horse Presents 24 and 42, 43. So 448 pages of Aliens goodness that were not... Uh, you know, bogged down by, you know, studio mandates or film continuity. They were just fun stories told in that universe. So I'll definitely be picking this up because I haven't read all that alien stuff. I have read some of it, but not all of it. And again, perfect uh introduction to to jump straight into that. So yeah, that is the Aliens Epic Collection. And again, that'll be hitting in January. So that concludes our Marvel book and our DC book, leaving us just the indie book to go through and Indie's a bit interesting this month because normally we'll pick a lot of stuff from indie ranging from, you know, maybe 10, 11, 12 different publishers. But we've really zoned in this month and it's only really from three or four publishers. And there's a lot of graphic novels in here as well. 
But uh, I do notice that the cover story is what you're all about. Uh, well, it is, but uh, let's go. Let's go image first because I've just noticed that that cover story is in fact dynamite. I know I was going to say that that they're still trying to bring you back to the house of dynamite. <laughs> they really um, are, and, and this isn't going to do it. But I just thought it might be worth mentioning. <laughs> well, no, I, the only reason I said about that as well with the cover story is for me the biggest story of this previews book is the spine of the book, not the cover, and that's because the spine of the book teases the return of Saga. So. Saga, obviously, one of Image's best titles, Brian K. Vaughan, Fiona Staples, it just, issue 60 was the latest issue. It went on a huge break between issue 54 and issue 55, but it's now settling back into the Saga model, which was actually first really, it was originally called the Walking Dead model, but then moved on to Saga. And what that is, is they'll do six single issue releases over a six month period, and then they'll take a break for three to four months, release the trade paperback in that time, get ahead of the game and the single issues, and then come back, and it's coming back with issue 61 in January. The other good thing is as well with Saga, when it's being solicited in the previews books, is that they don't ruin any story elements whatsoever. It's always really vague little um, blurbs for the book. You know, with Saga at this point, the latest trade has come out, so volume 10, which covers 55 to 60, so everybody reads it in different ways. Some people read it in compendiums, some people read it in trades. I mean, for me, Saga is the definition of a single-issue story, and it's always a $3 issue as well, and you just can't go wrong with that. So, yeah, back in uh, back in January, and Vicky is very happy, I can confirm. <laughs> yeah, you, you say it's the definition of a single-issue story, but you really screwed me up then, in a very kindly way, <laughs> because uh, you, start, you started me on the hardcovers, and now I'm really scuppered with regard to... Well, how, luckily luckily the other half had you covered because vicky insisted that you borrow our single issues and read it and get caught up to date and then of course you can pick up the hardcover to continue that yeah, ocd collection absolutely <laughs> and I, I will i will borrow those single issues it's very kind of you until you know when i'm finally caught up with my my single issues <laughs> yeah. which uh, you know three weeks behind but uh yeah i mean speaking of massive books and uh, massive celebrations in 2003, 20 years ago, Robert Kirkman and Cory Walker debuted the groundbreaking comic book series Invincible. In the 20 years since, Invincible has become the most successful new superhero franchise of, God, the century. And they're, uh, to celebrate the 20th anniversary, they're releasing a couple of things. First is the uh, Invincible number one facsimile edition. Uh, obviously, facsimile edition, it's a, a reprint of the, the whatever issue. You know, Invincible number one, especially given the debut of the animated series, is now highly sought after. You're not going to be able to get a hold of it at uh, any price. Uh, so this gives fans a chance to own a piece of comic book history uh, and, uh, and and read, read it the way it was originally intended. And then uh, we also have uh, the Invincible Undelux number one. Now, you'll remember that uh, Robert Kirkman originally uh, released Walking Dead as black and white and has now released it as uh, as colour with the deluxe edition. Well, Invincible was quite the opposite. It was released in colour and now he seems to be releasing the undeluxe edition. So we have Invincible undeluxe number one, Robert Kirkman, Corey Walker, kicking off a year-long celebration of Invincible's 20th anniversary. Prepare yourself. It's time to revisit the historic independent series that took the entertainment world by storm 20 years ago. Follow Mark Grayson's journey again from the very beginning, but this time in stunning black and white. 
The Home Deluxe version will feature memorable array of variant covers as well as the installment of the cutting room floor featuring Robert Kirkman's original handwritten plot and commentary. This Home Deluxe not quite definitive presentation of the story is thrilling, black and white, and will not be collected anytime soon. So it's exactly the inverse of The Walking Dead. I must admit, I wasn't really that interested in this Undeluxe version until I saw those lovely words that accompany every single issue of The Walking Dead Deluxe, the cutting room floor. Yeah, Because Kirkman's behind-the-scenes so, stuff's great. It, is, it absolutely is. So what they're doing here is they're re-releasing the entire of Invincible in black and white. Is that it? I don't think so. I think they're just doing number one, I think. Um, although... It does say follow Mark's journey again from the very beginning. Yeah, so it does, doesn't it? I'll be curious to see, but it does. And this is the other reason that maybe it is going to be continuing. We must actually look into this because obviously the Walking Dead Deluxe, Invincible Undeluxe, and it does say this Undeluxe not quite definitive presentation of the story in black and white will not be collected anytime soon. And that's what they've said about Walking Dead Deluxe. It's a single uh, issue yeah. run. I wonder is this is this Kirkman just being having a bit of fun, having a bit of fun? Yeah, absolutely. Or is he actually going to collect the entire series? Would it surprise uh, you if he collected the whole series? Uh, you know, it it kind of would, it kind of <laughs> would. Uh, but let's 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 see. Let's we will see. eagerly await the uh, yeah. February <laughs> the February book to confirm or deny. And uh, I mean the other the other thing that's uh, that's worth pointing out is you know they're making the invincible uh trade paperbacks uh, available again and uh, the compendiums available again and not and only the compendiums available but they're actually going to be doing a hardcover compendium so oh. keith very kindly lent me uh invincible so invincible may have started 20 years ago but alan only discovered it about a year and a half ago uh at keith's insistence for a long time and i sat down it took me a, a few weeks to read volume one but I read uh, the second compendium in one sitting and I read the third compendium in one sitting because it's just pure Kirkman page turning at its best. So I always felt guilty that I'd sort of discovered this amazing series for free, essentially. Uh, so I've always thought to myself, I need to add it to my collection. So I was going to start collecting the uh, hardcovers, which collect about 12, to th I think it's 12 issues at a time. But now that these hardcover compendiums are coming out, I might do it that way instead. So if you think of the thickness of the compendiums, but you know sort of done on a higher quality paper stock uh a hard quality cover and it, it'll sort of be like an omnibus style i suppose so i might start picking these up just because they're a little bit more premium uh as opposed to just the the compendiums but you know i was talking to someone about this in store today actually and i, and I was talking about you because they were saying about how they would look forward to the hardcover because they don't think the compendiums are great quality like they start to fall apart easily and i sort of went well you know Keith read his compendiums, then he lent me his compendiums, then Stephen read his compendiums, then Martin borrowed his compendiums. I was like, and I'm pretty sure they're all still in, in one Yeah, they're all in good piece. shape, yeah. So yeah. maybe they're better quality than we think, but yeah, I, I, I'm a sucker for a, for a hardcover, so I'll probably start collecting it this way instead, just so I've, I've contributed to Invincible having contributed. Absolutely, so absolutely. That's very, uh, very generous of you. Because <laughs> Kirkman clearly needs my money. Yes, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, so there is that. So, uh, yeah, all that is in celebration, as we said, of Invincible's 20th anniversary. 
Moving on from there, we've got a little bit of a Mark Millar corner. Uh, Magic Order continues to be released at a frightening pace, given how long it took from Volume 1 to Volume 2. I'm currently enjoying Magic Order 3 at the moment. I read issues 2 and 3 the other night. And coming in January is going to be Magic Order 4, number 1. So there's six issues each time. He seems to get a different artist involved each time as well, which is a, a clever way of continuing it in a nice, timely manner. Uh, so for this one, it's going to be a brand new arc. So Mark Millar writing and the artist on this one is Dyke Ruan. The magic order is in turmoil after Cordelia is forced to expel her brother. Whispers of discontent persist among the other wizards. They're tired of the rules they've all been living under and now a coup is brewing. Now, if there was one series that to me said Netflix adaptation, given the Miller World Netflix deal, it was always magic order. But mm. it doesn't seem to have happened yet. It was always pitched as Harry Potter meets Goodfellas. And I think that's quite apt. And uh, it's a series I've I've continued to really, really enjoy. Yeah, I see they've updated that to uh, to The Sopranos meets Harry Potter in this particular oh, really? issue of previews. <laughs> um, I mean, this was this was interesting because, you know, there was Magic Order and then there was nothing and nothing and nothing. And then there was Magic Order 2 and Magic Order 3 and now Magic Order 4. It's really, you know what I mean? There was a big gap between yeah. 1 and 2 and then he's just, Oh, is this is 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 there a plan for this? Is is this sort of an ongoing in in six issue arcs, or is there? I mean, is is, is four going to be the finale, or is there a five? Or I don't know. Yeah, well, that's it. I mean, when two when the first issue, I think of number two came out, they had advertised number three in the back, so. Mm. Maybe he just had all these scripts piled up and uh, unfortunately Olivier Coupel, who was the artist on the first one, couldn't do it or couldn't commit to it maybe. So mm -hmm. I think this is quite an interesting plan of how to do it though, that each arc has a different artist, so gives it their own unique flavour. Mm -hmm. But uh, also coming from uh, Mark Millar this month is Nemesis Reloaded, number one, and this also has the the massive advantage of Jorge Jimenez coming on for art now. Nemesis Reloaded is a sequel series to Mark Millar's original Nemesis. Now, Nemesis was essentially, imagine Batman, but instead of using all that money, all that training, all that skill to be a superhero, you decide to do it to be the world's biggest villain. And it's just, it was a lot of fun. It was it was traditional Mark, Mark Miller stuff, you know, it was over the top, it was bombastic, it was gory, it was funny, it was, you know, slightly ironic. Uh, but this is a sequel coming back. So the world's most evil comic book is back. Who is Nemesis? Well, I've just told you that. And um, why does this eccentric billionaire who dresses up in a mask and cape want to terrorize people instead of helping them? Isn't the how this is supposed to go? Trigger warning, too violent and too cool for some. As I say, you, you can tell a Mark Miller title a mile away, even by the solicitation. <laughs> so uh, that's going to be a five-issue miniseries. A couple of cool-sounding variants for it as well. You've got uh, Steve McNiven doing a variant. You've got Frank Quietly doing a variant. You've got Fiona Staples doing a variant. So if you do prefer uh, a nice variant as opposed to your Jorge Jimenez cover A, just let us know and we will sort that for you. So, yeah, that is Nemesis Reloaded. And then from there with the image uh, solicitations, it's all collections, baby. Yeah, absolutely. I'll take a couple. You take a couple. Sounds good. Okay, so uh, first up, we've Above Snakes, Volume 1 trade paperback by Sean Lewis and Hayden Sherman on art and cover. Uh, I have not finished this yet, but I am really enjoying it. Uh, it's a supernatural western about dirt, a man out to avenge his wife's death with nothing but a bloodthirsty vulture by his, by his side to guide <laughs> his way. Uh, what happens when the story of Dirt's pain gets stolen by others and the world he thought he understood turns upside down? Featuring the incredible work of the team behind Thumbs and the few, this thrilling new series is best described as Deadwood meets the Sandman. They have met Deadwood. <laughs> um, 
uh, comic book resources says uh, it's like a gloomy ballad strummed on a heavily tuned guitar telling a rising story of uh, the dry winds full of violence the vibrant artwork and colorful language coupled with the steady yet descriptive narration create a haunting tune uh that collects the five issues uh, it's 96 pages and uh yeah absolutely worth uh, worth picking up if uh, if you haven't i don't know were you on this I wasn't, no, but I did really enjoy Thumbs from this uh, creative team. Thumbs was all about the military uh, recruiting gamers to be drone strike pilots because they were Mm. so skillful and their reflexes were so good sitting in a room and they were so detached from what was happening on screen that they thought, we'll just use them and utilize their skills. So, yeah, it's a a good creative team. And how uh, how, uh, art, uh, reality mimics art. Indeed. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Uh, The other one uh, that I wanted to chat about is a hardcover. Uh, It's uh, 8 Billion Genies Deluxe Edition Volume 1. This this, uh, collects the eight issues of 8 Billion Billion Genies by Charles Soule and Ryan Brown. And this has been a fantastic series up until now. That hardcover looks lovely. If you had one wish, what would you wish for? What if everyone else on the planet had one wish too? That's 8 billion genies. Eight seconds after magical genies grant every person on earth one wish, the world is transformed forever. And that's just the beginning. From number one, New York Times bestselling author Charles Soule, uh, the creator of Undiscovered, co-creator of Undiscovered Country and Light of the Jedi. Superstardist Ryan Brown of Curse Words and God Hates Astronauts comes the most thought-provoking, hilarious, terrifying and emotional ride of the year and has been picked up picked up as a major motion picture by Amazon Studios. Uh, 216 pages, and uh, it's an advanced solicit for uh, April. Well worth picking up if you haven't been reading it, Billion Genies. I would, uh, yeah. Yeah, big 100%. time. We've talked about it a lot Anytime we've actually managed to get reviews put together. Uh, yeah, Billion Genies is a great book. Just funny, thought-provoking, action-packed. Uh, yeah, those guys are at the top of their game with that. And I would argue the exact same for the next trade paperback collection. I th- again, I think it was a, a pick from myself when we did our last uh, review show. It's a series called Public Domain from our good friend Chip Zdarsky, uh, both writing and drawing this. So they're releasing the first trade paperback uh, on January 18th. This is going to collect issues one to five. So for this, it's Sid Dallas is responsible for pop culture's greatest hero, The Domain, but his sons Miles and David have a complicated relationship with both the creation and their creator. Can they convince their dad to fight for the family's legacy? This fun and heartfelt series written and illustrated by Eisner winner Chip Zdarsky explores a wild, alternate world where comic book creators aren't properly acknowledged or compensated for their creations. Crazy, I know. You know, Chip Zdarsky definitely wrote that solicitation. Uh, but yeah, just a thoroughly, thoroughly wonderful book. And again, it, it sort of is a touchy subject in the, the, the comic industry, I think. You know, creators' rights and, you know, original acknowledgement and stuff like that. So it's a really delicate balance he strikes with this title. You know, just making it realistic enough and thought-provoking enough, but also with, you know, a good dose of humor as well. And then the other one, just to mention again, because we definitely don't mention it enough on reviews, previews, in-store, whatever, but it continues to be just one of the very best comics around. And the third trade paperback is coming out for That Texas Blood. So written by Chris Condon, art by Jacob Phillips, uh, just a, a masterpiece of noir storytelling. And we're entering into the serial killer realm with this third story arc. And dare I say it, it may be the best story arc yet. It's almost as if the guys are just getting more comfortable with these characters and just they're just up in their game with every single issue. So 
with volume three, as I say, it's a serial killer based story around the Red Queen killer. So as a winter storm looms over Ambrose County in January of 92, a local woman's body is discovered and believed to be the latest victim of a horrifying West Texas serial murderer known as the Red Queen killer. And it's got a little uh, blurb here from Christopher Cantwell, who calls the series the perfect kind of Texas noir, timeless, sinister, funny, kind and poignant. I'm not sure I would say kind and poignant about this story arc personally, because it has Mm. been tough. It has been tough, but there there is a kindness about the characters and how they interact, uh, you know, looking after each other where they can. So I can see what... Cantwell, who you may or may not know is the uh, author of the most fantastic recent Iron Man run, Alan. You've never mentioned that before. Have I not? No. Okay, well, there you go. I'm glad I did on this occasion. Uh, yeah, that Texas blood is just phenomenal. Just phenomenal. Uh, so it is. Um, just a quick uh, addendum here at the end, Alan. You'd mentioned the Invincible Compendium, Volume 1 hardcover. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the details of that, uh, it's 1,024 pages. Uh, it collects uh, the first 48 issues uh, of um, of Invincible. Robert Kirkman, Corey Walker, Ryan Otley, Bill Crabtree, covered by Ryan Otley. Celebrating the landmark 20th anniversary, first 48 issues, um, collected into one massive hardcover, exclusive to the direct market. That does look beautiful. Uh, Mark Grayson is just like almost everyone his age, except for the fact that his father is Omniman the most powerful superhero on the planet. When Mark develops powers of his own, it's a dream come true, but living up to his father's legacy is only the beginning of Mark's problems. Fantastic. So, yeah, that will uh, cover Image Comics. We'll move away from Image and over to Boom. And there's a couple of new number ones to get excited about here and a hardcover graphic. Why don't you lead us on the the single issues? Yeah, sure thing. Uh, So... Uh, I don't think it's uh, any secret that I'm a big fan of Frank Herbert's Dune. Um, we got excited as the, the movie was, uh, was was coming out. I know you still haven't seen it. You're sort of weirdly waiting until the second one comes out to see them together. Um, would, some, would say smart, some would say smartly waiting. Some would, some would say, but uh, I, would, uh, I, would, I, would, I would definitely sort of just go ahead and treat yourself, you know. Um, but prior to the release of that movie, there was uh, a lot of interest in, uh, in the movie and in the the story it's a very complex story a lot going on but uh what boom have been doing is they've been adapting uh, brian herbert and kevin j anderson's uh dune prequels uh previously was house atreides uh there was a number of other um sort of shorter series house atreides ran about 12 issues and this uh, uh starting in january uh and previews gem of the month is dune house harkonnen number one of 12 so obviously it's mirroring the atreides series And it says, discover the crucial backstory before the release of the feature film, Dune Part 2. The second official New York Times bestselling prequel to Dune is adapted for the first time by award-winning novelist Brian Herbert, uh, the son of, I think it's the son of Frank Herbert, and Kevin J. Anderson, unveiling a closer look at the rising conflict between beloved characters and bitter villains. Fans will gain insight into how the early years of iconic figures, Gurney Halleck, Lady Jessica, and Leet Keynes, uh, had their future shaped by the complex and brutal machinations of House Harkonnen. What difficult choices will tear Leto Atreides apart as Barn Harkonnen uh, or Harkonnen uh, plots against not just House Atreides, but the Ben Gesserit and the Emperor himself? That probably won't mean a lot to you, Alan, but for <laughs> fans of Dune, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of go-tos in there. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that because uh, House Atreides was, uh, was very, very good. Um, the artist on that is Michael Shelfer, uh, and there's a there's a whole raft of uh, whole raft of covers 
Um, so that is the first from Boom. The second, also a gem of the month, is Mosley number one of five by our favourite Rob Gilroy, uh, who's just come off uh, his creator-owned uh, farmhand. Isn't that right? Mm-hmm. Uh, illustrated by Sam uh, Sam Lotfi, um, who was an artist in Harley Quinn, I believe. And it says, the co-creator of Chew is out to destroy the tech gods. Uh, from farmhand creator Rob Gilray and Sam Lofty, mostly as a satirical sci-fi blockbuster perfect for fans of God Country and Ghost Cage. In the hyper-technological world of the late 21st century, Mosley is a bitter old janitor on a mission from a higher power to unleash holy hell on upon the too-big-to-fail tech gods. Can one man bring down the corporate powers who've used their vast influence to oppress uh, an all-too-complacent human race and hopefully win back the favour of his estranged family while he's at it? Mosley's taking up the holy hammer, and you better believe he's going to smash some shit until he sets mankind free. It, each issue has wall-to-wall con- content and will feature a bonus story by series writer Rob Gilroy starting in issue two. Looks good. No, Looks that good. much more has my interest rather than Dune. Who knows when? Maybe when the second Dune movie comes out, I'll be so blown away by both movies that I'll just jump back into all of these wonderful comic series that you keep highlighting. Or maybe you'll just catch yourself on and listen to me. <laughs> I can only listen to you one title at a time, you know. And <laughs> you know, you're you're almost wearing me down to Campwell's Iron Man. So, we'll we'll see if it sticks the landing with the series, and then uh, we'll maybe go from there. I'll keep you posted. <laughs> Uh, but mostly, yeah, definitely I'll be interested in that. You know, Rob Gilroy, of course, to farm hands. Um, definitely a, a very safe pair of hands there. And the fact that there's going to be bonus stories as well with Rob Gilroy doing a bit of art as well as obviously doing covers and so forth. I'll, I'll be on varying covers for that, I would say. Cool, cool. Do you want to get in on a little boom goodness? Yeah, one last thing that's just worth talking about every time we can because it's just that good. It also holds the distinction of being the first ever comic I read to my son. He was about four weeks old at the time. But when you read this story aloud, it really does come across as such a a great fable. Uh, And that is The Many Deaths of Lila Starr. So we've talked about this title ad nauseum, but there's a reason it is that good. So it's written by Ram V., uh, art by Felipe Andrade. And the reason we're talking about it now, it's already available in trade paperback form. But the reason we're talking about it now is it's getting a deluxe edition hardcover. So that art is going to be blown up. It's going to be a thicker edition. And... I'm not sure if there's going to be many special features with it, so to speak. It just says premium oversized presentation uh, and it collects many deaths of Lila Star 1 to 5, which of course is the whole thing. But, you know, I bought the single issues. I bought the foil issues. I have the trade paperback. There's no doubt I'm going to get this as well because it really is so, so good. Um, But yeah, so humanity is on the verge of discovering immortality. As a result, the avatar of death is cast down to Earth to live a mortal life in Mumbai as 20-something Lila star. Struggling with her newfound mortality, Lila has found a way to be placed in the time and place where the creator of immortality will be born. Will Lila take her chance to stop mankind from permanently altering the cycle of life or will death really become a thing of the past? Thought-provoking, funny adventurous beautiful looking you know the the art in this is is stunning as well just all around one of the best comics of the last few years and if you ever want to try and introduce someone to comics by showing them that they're not just superheroes punch each other in the face all the time give them this book because it is so accessible so like new reader friendly but just great depth and great storytelling. So, yeah, can't say enough good stuff about it. Uh, and there will be a hardcover edition. Uh, it's an advanced solicit. It's not out until March, but in this book here for January. 
So we'll move away from Boom and on to Dark Horse for the couple of things just I wanted to highlight, which will near enough bring us to an end here. Uh, there's a couple of books from Dark Horse from Matt Kint, who's someone's work I've been enjoying quite a lot in the last few years. And uh, the first one is a three-issue miniseries called Spy Superb. So this is both written and drawn and covers by Matt Kint. So he's uh, pulling the full Declan Shelby here. So from New York Times bestselling and Harvey Award-winning graphic novelist Matt Kint comes the latest Flux House, which seems to be a little imprint that he's running at Dark Horse. Humorous espionage adventure. It's John Wick meets Wes Anderson in this mystery thriller about a secret organization that's developed the perfect spy. Who is the perfect spy? A spy who doesn't even realize they're a spy. That's a lot of spies. A.K. the useful idiot. This particular useful idiot is named Jay. Jay is sent on missions without even realizing he's on a mission. Until he picks up the wrong phone with the wrong secret intel. And now Russian hit squads and elite assassins are after him. But Jay believes he was a sleeper agent and really is the spy superb. His complete obliviousness and lack of survival skills may be the only thing that saves him in this globetrotting espionage tale. Where nothing is what it seems. But also kind of actually is what it seems so this is going to be oversized each issue uh, it is going to call her uh, it is going to carry a heftier price point at eight dollars but i believe it's going to be 56 pager i think but outside of that there is also a graphic novel hardcover coming from matt kind as well although he's not doing art on this the artist here is denise pendanks and this is called mr mammoth this just sounds fantastic. It's an original graphic novel, and again, it's the first one coming from that new imprint, Flux House. Mr. Mammoth is the world's greatest detective and the kind of person you don't forget. Being a seven-foot-tall pacifist who's covered head-to-toe with an impressive collection of horrific scars makes quite the impression. But he might be losing his edge. He can't seem to solve his latest case, and he's distracted with a strange obsession with a soap opera actress who doesn't even know he exists. His new case holds clues that might finally unlock the secret of his traumatic childhood. The question is, is he solving a crime or planning one? Mr. Mammoth is the first ever original graphic novel from Matt Kidd's all-new imprint Flux House, which features crime, science fiction and humour stories, all told in startling and untraditional ways. For Mr. Mammoth, Kent is joined by internationally acclaimed artist Jean-Denis Pendax, that's probably Pendang, uh, who's making his US debut, collects the original noir graphic novel Mr. Mammoth for the very first time. So that one again is an advance solicit, again not due until March but pre-orders available on that. So, any of those grab you at all? Um, maybe that spy superb. Uh, do that, Mister Mammoth. Hardcover sounds really interesting too. Yeah, I think so. Matkins, uh, as I say, really, really yeah. interesting writer. Um, so that uh, cast me back to folklore, doesn't it? Folklords, uh, there was Bang as well, which is very, very mm-hmm, good. That's right. Um, yeah. I think Mind Management is his biggest or most well known series, but it, it's one I've never personally read. And then two more, uh, two more re releases, I should say, uh, to finish off from me with Dark Horse. So the first one is Hard Boiled. This is a Frank Miller joint, so you know exactly what you're going to get with this. Uh, politically incorrect, over the top, violent, but very, very funny. So this is Frank Miller writing it along with Jeff Darrow, who also provides art. And if ever there was a book worth picking up just for the art, this is it. So, Hard Boiled is about Carl Seltz, a suburban insurance investigator, a loving husband, and devoted father. Nixon is a berserk homicidal tax collector, racking up mind-boggling body counts in a diseased urban slaughterhouse. Unit 4 is the ultimate robot-killing machine and the last hope of the future's enslaved mechanical servants. And they're all the same psychotic entity. Featuring a brand new cover by Jeff Darrow and Dave Stewart. The, the, de- the level of detail and craft in this title is incredible. 
Uh, I remember picking it up in an oversized sort of magazine type format and just being blown away page after page. So it's nice to see a, a trade paperback release for this. Again, a, a slightly advanced solicit coming out in March. And then the last one from myself, because they love getting me for double dips, uh, <laughs> is the Snow Angels Library Edition hardcover. So Snow Angels was originally a comicsology original, so a digital comic first. It was written by Jeff Lamar and art by one of my personal favorites, Jock. Now, they didn't release it in single-issue format in print. They just released graphic novels. So there was two graphic novels, which covered 10 issues in total. Of course, I have the two graphic novels, but of course, I'm going to pick this up because it's a an oversized hardcover, which puts the whole story together. But I really, really enjoyed this. It was sort of end of the world horror with a set and like an icy landscape. So two of the most acclaimed comics creators of their generation, Jeff Lamar and Jock, uh, together for Eisner Award winning science fiction saga set in a brutal world like no other. Millie and May don't really know how their people came to live here. No one does, not even their wise and gentle father. On Milliken's 12th birthday, their father takes the two girls on an overnight skate down the trench, a coming-of-age ritual to teach them how to fish the frozen river, how to hunt the wild trench dogs that wander its frigid banks, and how to give proper thanks to their frozen gods, the colder ones. It's the trip of a lifetime until the girls push beyond the borders of their humble land and awaken the trench's deadly defender, the snowman. What follows next is an action-packed story of survival, loss and redemption. Collect Snow Angels, Trip Paperback, Volume 1 and 2 in a deluxe oversized hardcover edition. There's so many words in that sentence I like. And this is due out again in March of next year. Uh, Really highly, highly recommend that. It was a wonderful story. Um, And beautiful art by Jock, as you would expect. Of course. So, yeah, that is it from me. Is there anything you want to throw our listeners away? Yeah, worth mentioning just because it's the cover story and a gem of the month, uh, despite the fact it is from Dynamite. Uh, and Dynamite seem to be, it seems to be the second of a one-two punch uh, of uh, Disney afternoon and Saturday morning cartoons. Uh, you know, last month they kicked off, um, or sorry, in December, they'll be kicking off uh, Gargoyles uh, comic uh, based on the, the Disney property of the same name. And in January, they'll be kicking off uh, another sad Disney afternoon Saturday morning uh, character. And he is the terror that flaps in the night. He is the ferocious fowl who plucks the evil eye from the face of foul play. He is Darkwing Duck. And alongside his trusty sidekick, Launchpad McQuack, Darkwing hypervigilantly will defend uh, St. Carnard from the dastardly devilish demons who would wage wanton war. By night, our cape defender lurks in the shadows, striking fear and maybe confusion into the heart of the criminal underworld. But by day, no one suspects that Darkwing is also mild-mannered Drake Mallard, a well-meaning father to his adorable adopted daughter, Gosselin. Can Darkwing successfully navigate his two lives, all the while looking incredibly cool and impossibly handsome? Hint, probably not, but you'll have to read to find out. Um, So that is uh, the start of a new Darkwing Duck series by Amanda Dybert and uh, Carlo Lauro. And, uh, of course, Dynamite are running all sorts of incentive covers and uh, and that sort of stuff. So if Dark Disney's Darkwing Duck was your bag um, whenever you were at that stage of life, then maybe this will be of interest to you. Um, the Ferocious Terror That Flaps at Night uh, was a little past, a little before, a little after my time, I think, um, or just not of interest to me. Uh, what about you? Ever a Darkwing Duck fan? Uh, never my kind of thing. I I seem to remember him appearing in a Mega Drive game that I really enjoyed. 
uh, DuckTales, I think it was, and oh, it's yeah. a hidden playable yeah. character. But yeah, I mean, it's interesting to me for the simple reason that Dynamite are, are, are sort of seen as a genre, more adult-orientated um, publisher. So things like Vampirella, Red Sonja, all that kind of stuff. And yet they've just randomly thrown in Gargoyles and uh, Darkwing Duck. So something a little different. It's probably maybe more more accurate to to talk about dynamite as you know uh, in terms of licenses. Yeah, you know what I mean. They've always been a they've always been a, a licensing uh, company, and I mean uh, Dynamic Forces, which is the you know was the the company that Dynamite Entertainment sprung out of. They were all about licensing for for uh, you know I remember uh, your man Nick Nick, Nick Berucci. Mm-hmm. On uh, on QVC, whenever Sky started out, and it was it was always always selling off signed stuff and and all of that sort of stuff. So, uh, so yeah, but I mean, Amanda Amanda Daybert, she was on she was she did some stuff for He Man and the Masters of the Universe and and all of that sort of stuff. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not I'm not interested. That said, I might pick up the first issue, see what happens. Just out of pure curiosity. Yeah, absolutely that. Yeah, that's fair. Um, cool so that is going to do it for our trek through the previews books so again that's the november previews books for mostly for releases in january although we did seem to highlight quite a lot of stuff coming out in march as well so don't be surprised if we re-mention again in a couple of months but uh, as ever the previews books are in store you can come into the store anytime have a little flick through those uh, there's sign up sheets in the store as well if you want to sign up for any titles uh, again we'll always take care of it cover a's first prints dev release um, no matter what and the orders in general are due by the 16th of november though as ever if you're a little late to one or two titles we'll always get you sort of one way or another so just uh just let us know so uh, a pleasure as ever chatting through those books with you some really good stuff to look forward to and quite a lot of deluxe hardcovers for me to look yeah forward to. i mean it's uh it's, it's it's a challenge whenever you're you're actively trying to cut down your pull list to do this every month and find your pull list grows uh, and your wallet gets flatter. Coming next month, Alan does the previews alone. (laughs) (laughs) Keith takes takes drastic measures to make sure he does not add to his pull list. (laughs) (laughs) Well, more likely we'll be in the same room recording it, but uh, that is definitely for a future time. But uh, as ever, guys, thanks for listening. I hope this proves a useful resource for you in keeping you up to date with what is coming out because let's be honest, the world of comics is relentless. So, uh, again, uh, relentlessly entertaining. Well, the, I, your addendum to my initial relentless is definitely better. So, yeah, as ever, guys, cheers again. Thanks for listening. Uh, I'll look forward to seeing you in store soon. So, I've been Alan Taylor, and this has been Keith Miller. You can find Alan in store at Coffee and Heroes and on Twitter, where Alan is at Coffee and Heroes 1 and I'm Ascanison00. Coffee and Heroes is a local comic book shop, coffee shop and community hub in Northern Ireland, based at Smithfield Market in the centre of Belfast. You can find Coffee and Heroes on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram or email us at coffeeandheroes at hotmail.com. Make sure to check out our YouTube channel as well. The Coffee and Heroes podcast is available on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts and through all good podcast platforms. Please like and subscribe and leave a review so more people can find us. And until next time, happy reading and hope to see you in store.